You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 124. I am Sean Drager, and with me is Brad Henderson. This is the best day of my life. Oh, baby. You can find us over at thescreamcast.com. Tweet us at scream underscore cast. Uh, and you can email us, readme at thescreamcast.com. Uh, putting, the, putting all this up front. Up front. Uh, that way, during the show, if you want to communicate as we talk about shit, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, today we'll be talking about Vinegar Syndrome's latest package. Brandon and James. Uh, James. I was just about to say James, and I didn't forget James's name or anything. Uh, Brandon and James will be on in a little bit to talk about this last year and uh, what to expect from this year from Vinegar Syndrome. So it should be really fun to talk to them. We'll be. Uh, and, and like I said, talking their handful of movies that came out the last batch. Uh, but first, we need to jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay. Okay, come on. Whoa, dude, no be editing that out probably no don't do that no because no, that's the best part people love to hear you say i'm gonna edit that out and then you never do you know other people like when i say i like a movie for what it is uh i realize i say that a lot I'm trying yeah to work it's because you like a lot. lot of bullshit exactly exactly it's my way of saying that this movie's bullshit but i kind of liked it that's ah, yeah maybe i'll just say that i'll be say look this yeah. movie's fucking bullshit but i liked it you're not going to talk anybody into watching anything. No, Congratulations. If, if the movie's good, I'll talk someone into watching it. If the movie's kind of just fun, disposable bullshit like Independence Day 2 that I kind of still... Don't, like. don't even fucking go. Sean, don't even fucking go there. It's 2017. Or Hercules with The Rock. Mm, God. Uh, one cool scene in that movie. All no, right. let's let's go to what's on your doorstep. Go, what's on your doorstep. Uh, I watched. I, I've, I've, I think. I think I'm off to a pretty good start. I've watched some uh, some good things, and the things that I uh, am supposed to don't am supposed to not like. I didn't like. Right? <laughs> you're not. You're not supposed to like. Am I falling in line? Twitter. Mm, Internet. Film Twitter is great. <sighs> Here we go. Um, I'll run through mine really quick, Brad, and I'll let you get to your hundred movies you watch within the first like six days of the year. Yes. Um, so I was sick. You can kind of probably still hear it in my voice a little bit. So I was able to catch up on a lot of things that have been piling up on my to-watch pile. So I'm going to run through these uh, quickly, as quickly as I can. I finally got around to watching Hardcore Henry. And uh, it's exactly Ugh. what I thought it would be. And I had some fun with it. And Excerpts from video games. It's basically like watching somebody play a video game. A few entertaining, entertaining bits here and there. 
Uh, I want to see like a making of thing on how they got some of those shots because technically, like I I can see it being fun to watch how they made it uh, as a film. Like it's a good one timer. Maybe. If 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 you're into that sort of thing, I appreciate. I guess I appreciate. Save the, save uh, your time. Save your time and watch the short film oh, yeah, that yeah. they that they made beforehand. Okay. And and watch uh, Hotel Inferno. There you go. Same same concept, but a horror version instead of uh, silly action. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so there you go. That's hardcore Henry. Um. Next up, I finally finished watching Gods of Egypt. My wife and I had started this last year. We got 10 minutes in, and she looked at me, and she said, we don't have to keep watching this, right? I'm like, no, we don't. I'm surprised you didn't get a fucking divorce. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Alex uh, Proyas. As I Proyas. Name, Proyas. Well, I mean, Proyas. Uh, the Crow and Dark City are, you know, up there in my top, uh, in my top 25, for sure. Like, I, I really dig those flicks. He hasn't really come on strong since then. Uh, what was that movie? Oh, Knowing with Nick Cage had some... iRobot. Oh, God, iRobot. He's had a lot more hit- misses than hits then. iRobot's a great... A great uh, he has that uh, Garage Days or whatever that's decent. I haven't, I haven't seen that. Actually, I haven't seen that. Holy shit. Yeah, he's got a movie called... I think it's Garage Days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a it was like an in, independent movie that came out like yeah. uh, when I was working at Blockbuster or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, right. and I enjoyed it. I'll have to check that out. The thing about him is he has these high-concept ideas. He goes after these high-concept scripts. Like, in theory, like, the idea is super cool. iRobot, based off that Isaac Asimov, um, I believe, book, uh, has some great ideas. The execution... Whether I think it's studio mandated. Well, they or cast they cast Will Smith. Will Smith, that was the problem. Yeah. Um, and there's some originally I think from what I remember when that movie came out because I didn't hate it, but yeah, I, yeah. It's okay. I didn't like it either. Yeah. Um, there's a couple like you know a couple of cool moments. This movie's bullshit, but I liked it. Um, <laughs> no, there was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally supposed to be in that. Uh, when it was supposed to be made like in the '90s or something, because I guess they've been trying to get that movie off the ground, dude. If that that I robot would have came out like in the fucking '90s or some shit, yeah, dude, we'd be having an iRobot podcast right now. Uh, so then you know, knowing was like okay, how we have some good drunk Nick Cage in that. Um, the idea is kind of cool, you know, about this countdown, trying to figure out what it means. It's, you know, is it there after this plane crash. Uh, so then now now we have Gods of Egypt, which is about Basically, got Egyptian gods back in ancient Egypt and what they, what that ancient culture thought of the world. Uh, it's like some power struggle, uh, you know, kind of basic fantasy plot hero's journey thing with this bullshit no name pretty boy actor who's a bunch of bullshit, uh, Gerald Butler, and then the guy from uh, Game of Thrones. Isn't it Gerard? Gerard Butler. I don't know. I'm Gerald? just asking. Did I say Gerald? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm fucked I don't up. I don't know. I don't follow it's the New data. Year and more fuck ups from me. Uh Gerard Butler uh is in it. The effects are awful. Uh there's so much green screen in this movie, and then I was watching like how they made the movie, and it was just like what is like you look at the behind the scenes on the Star Wars prequels, it's all green screen. This all blue. They had no like hardly any sets. And they're all it, it's like the stuff I don't know. It's awful. But but how do you recreate Egypt, though? 
you can, but you can like Lord of the Rings, like Peter Jackson, not the Hobbit because he fucked up on the Hobbit with some of the effects there too. But they did like these things called bigatures where they made these scale, big scale model miniatures and it looked really fucking cool. Like and with some CG enhancement. Right, I, but you, you know how much money was behind that. I know, I know, I know. There's all. I, I think. I mean, obviously, I'm not sticking up for Gods of Egypt, but I this mean, is like Iron Sky level crap. Like, like it's not good looking. Did you just call Iron Sky crap? Not no, not Iron Sky. Oh shit! What was um? Oh, what was that all digital movie with the like Jude? Oh, Law? Sky Sky Captain of the Sky World. Sky Captain of the World tomorrow. It's it's yeah. It's Sky Captain in the world tomorrow. Like it's like Iron Sky is supposed to look like that. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The- not not Iron Sky, but um, but it just it looks it just looks bad. It it just you know it's just video gamey where it's like all these mainstream blockbusters now. Oh, stuff's falling down and the hero, everything magically barely misses the main actor. You know, it's just I don't know. It's it's all that stuff. Batshit crazy idea with these gods that turn into like transformer gods and and there's a scene where it turns out the earth is flat and my dad probably busted a nut during that scene because he believes the earth is flat. Um, so there's some like batshit crazy ideas going on. It's just the execution, the main character they're all supposed to follow, like some this kid. Uh, is not funny. Everyone has a year, an English accent, except for Gerard Butler, who's doing his full-on Scottish accent. Oh my god, of Egypt! How are you doing? I'm gonna put, what, bash her face in and steal the eyes! You do pretty Just good like impersonation that. sometimes, you know? Um, and then everyone else is like, oh, hello, I'm an Egyptian god. Oh, hello, I'm the sun god. Oh, I kinda walk like a turtle a little bit and I pull along the sun. Oh, so they're smashing. We're Egyptian gods. It's basically wow. that's the movie right there. Wow, I think you do a movie just with voices. You should um, do like voiceover work. So that, so that was Gods of Egypt. Wow, it's streaming on Netflix for free. If you're curious, no. uh, give it a look. But the more I think about it, the more it's some bullshit. Like I said, it could have been cool. Like something happened with. The casting or the story, I don't know, some cool ideas. <laughs> yeah, if it was a totally different movie, it might have been cool. Yeah. Right? <laughs> all right, what else you got? Next up, I finally caught up with Blair Witch. It's all right. Moving along. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not invested in the Blair Witch universe at I all. I haven't seen it. You know that? You that's seen the Blair truth. Witch? I know, that's like weird. Uh, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. A couple cool ideas, cool scenes. Uh, one really cool kind of gag in it that I was like, uh, I kind of like had to pause the movie and kind of look at, you know, act like I was, you know, in the room with uh, with uh, the the directors with Adam uh, uh, Wingard and um, Simon Barrett. Simon Barrett, you know, kind of look around like, all right, guys, that was good, that was good, but you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a reboot basically of of Blair Witch Project. You know, it's it's formulaic, but it's all right. Um, I caught up with John Hillcoat's Triple Nine, and uh, a lot of people seem like they're doing really important stuff. Casey Affleck chomps gum like he's a freaking camel getting ready to hawk a loogie. Never seen Matt Damon chew gum? Never seen anyone chew gum as, like, intense as Casey Affleck chews gum in Triple Watch Nine. Watch Dogma. <laughs> 
Fucking Matt Damon Dude, chewing gum. It's worse than that. It's worse. But he makes chewing gum look good. Not like Casey I, Affleck. No, it's distracting. It's like, dude, I almost like wanted to walk into the movie and you like spit your gum out now. It's ridiculous. You don't even look cool, Casey Affleck. Uh, good looking movie. John Hillcoat knows how to bring kind of the grit, grit and grime. I was kind of hoping for a heist police kind of uh, drama. Um, it, it could have done maybe with a re-edit or maybe a tighter edit and maybe it would have been better. Um, it's probably John Hillcoat's worst film, but that's like saying, well, never mind. Pixar's has some really bad movies by now. Um, moving along. Pixar's been the worst. Like, that's like saying Cars 2 is a really bad Pixar movie. Never mind. It's a really bad Pixar movie. Uh, fine. Let's see. I got two more. Um, I checked out my German Blu-ray of Tom Selleck's Runaway from 1984. That movie still kicks ass. I like it. Little robot spider things. Um, you know, I've always liked it. It's one of those movies that was always on, um, always on cable. I would always watch it and always loved it. It was PG 13 and you got to see boobies. So I always got away. Cynthia Rhodes, who hasn't been in very many movies, but of course, you know, dirty dancing and, and the like, um, she's in it. She's, uh, super cute. And a buddy of mine actually said that when she was married to Richard Marks, my buddy's a musician, he stayed at their house and she cooked him spaghetti. Hmm. He was immediately jealous. Uh, of course, Gene Simmons pulling off a great villain as usual. And then Christy Alley uh, looking super cute. Is it Christy or Kirsty? Christy. Christy Alley? I think it's Kirsty Alley. Kirsty, Kirsty Alley. Kirsty, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. Whatever. I'm just saying. You're getting better at names. Right. You got to get better at names. Finally, uh, oh, uh, Runaway, directed by Michael Crichton. Huh. Crichton. Crichton. I always kidding. Right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's Crichton. I'm kidding. Finally, uh, I watched Hell or High Water. This movie has been getting a lot of uh, really good ratings. A lot of people, people have been talking about it. it stars Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges talking about this whole movie. No? Should I stop with the imp- impersonations? Maybe. maybe. Okay. Uh, over the line. But it's like, I'm like, did he put like a golf ball in his mouth? Or is he just getting old? Like, is his you, jaw just stopped Jeff working? Jeff Bridges has like done that kind of voice before, he though. He just doesn't move his lower jaw at all the whole movie, I guess. Uh, of course, Chris Pine and Ben Foster playing uh, these kind of bank robbing brothers. Go and go and do it as blind as you can. Enjoy this thing. Uh, damn good movie. Probably if I would have seen it before uh, top ten of 2016, it probably would have been up there. Really damn good. I haven't seen it yet. I've been dying to. It's yeah. actually the writer of Sicario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, director, yeah David McKenzie uh, is the director. So no, that is. Uh, I don't know what else he's done. I just know he's a writer, Sicario. Oh, he's done a whole lot. Well, hey, I can't, rem- lot. can't remember his name anyway. He, uh... Huh. He he hasn't done anything high profile. This is probably his mo- the, the, the movie that's basically going to be putting him on the map. He did some movie called Spread. Um, mm, I make movies called Spread. Yeah. And the movie called Perfect Sense. 
uh, and then a movie called Asylum. But uh, Hell or High Water is a damn good kind of Texas uh, road trip slash bank robbery movie. Movie called Asylum. When did that come out? Uh, uh, 2005. Oh, okay. Passion. Possession. Mm. Mm. The cover is two, is a couple embracing. Ugh. Anyway, Hell or High Water, damn good. Check it out wherever you can. That's it. How's how is that? How is that for the first What's on Your Doorstep from You the, took for fucking ever explaining gods of Egypt. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I spent way too much time on gods of Egypt, yes. Oh, oh, oh finally, one more, one more. Oh, my fucking God. Ridley Scott's son directed a movie called Morgan. Um, if you want to think it's something like um, Ex Machina, kind of sort of similar, but focusing mainly on like the team that's uh, doing research on this kind of cyborg cybernetic organism. Uh, this lady comes in to kind of assess the situation because this uh, cyborg or whatever she is, this kid uh, stabbed one of the workers in the eye with a fork. So this lady has come in to kind of assess everything, see how this project is going. Um, kind of got thrashed, I guess, by some critics is uh, produced by Ridley Scott, directed by his son. God, what's his son's name? Ridley Scott Jr. No. Scott Ridley Jr. Luke. Luke Scott. Luke Skywalker. But dude, I thought this was a very good kind of B-level, you know, sci-fi thriller. Um, Some good horror stuff in there. I mean, Paul Giamatti is in it. His scene almost steals the movie. He's fantastic. A bunch of, oh, that guy type actors in it. Um, uh, the redhead from Game of Thrones from season one, who lo- who loves Jon Snow, uh, she's in it, and um, I don't know, just a lot of really good actors. I thought it was really well done. I don't know, I could be wrong, so I I recommended it, and then somebody hated it after they watched it. I don't know. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but for me, I really liked it. I mean, it could have been because I was in the middle of watching Westworld and the, all this, you know, discussion on. What is humanity and all this kind of stuff is going on in Westworld? And I just kind of almost treated this like a extension of that show, but um, I liked it. So whatever. I mean, I like I really liked it, but I don't know. Wow. Some people didn't. All right, go. Oh wow, that's a hard act to follow. Um, crack it open, Sean. Mm. So uh, first up is uh, Warner Archives uh, release of. The Beast with Five Fingers, directed by the legendary uh, William Castle. Uh, it uh, stars, uh, co-stars uh, Peter Lore. Um, it's fun. You know, it's uh, basically this uh, really rich dude um, has a bunch of friends over. He makes them sign his recently written will. He dies in the middle of the night. Um, this hand pops up. Um, and starts, uh, the hand is known to be the ghost of the deceased man and starts killing people, uh, in the house and they don't just get out of the house. They just stay in there. Um, it's decent. It, it, it feels like a William Castle movie. There's a few things about these movies that I like. Um, and it's just kind of like the eerie setting that they set up. Um, you know, because it is an eerie setting, it is an eerie movie, but there's like this sense of comedy too. And um, I would give the movie like a four out of five, except that at the end of the film, like they break that wall, 
And like one of the actors turns and is like, huh, you know, hey, this is going on. And it's like, wait, you're why? Like, I understand like that was like a gag <laughs> back in the day, like, you know, to interact with your audience. But when you have like a serious movie and then like the actor turns and just starts talking to you, it really takes you out of it. Unless like you're maybe, Ferris Bueller. Maybe at the time. Well, I mean, that's after the credits, though. But, like, you know, well, I guess he does it. No, through the movie. He... Huh? Fear yeah, he does. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, no, that's I, it. I don't like that. You know, that's in, that's in the sense of the movie. Like, it, it works. But, like, this is just out of nowhere during this, like, creepy horror film, you know? Um, and I guess at the time it was fine. But watching these now, like, it kind of takes you out of it. Um... Next up was um, another. Uh, wait, no, this wasn't. Was this was this a William Castle movie? I apologize. That was not a William Castle movie. Um, that was Robert Flory. Oh, Brad fucked up. Brad. Direct. Well, my next movie was William Castle, so I <laughs> I just transposed the names. I need you to relax. So William Castle directed this one. Um, I, I always get confused because there's, there's a few films that are spelled similar. Um, but I always, I want to say them differently because then when you say the title, it sounds like I'm talking about like the Bob film or, you know, the, uh, Felinski film. I think it's Flint, whatever his name is. But this is, uh, Macabre. Mm. Now, I know that you say Macabre, Macabre. Macabre. Like, but this is uh, actually, See, Macabre is how I always say the Mario Bava film, or Lamberto Bava, one of the Bavas. But I, I don't know. But Macabre. So we'll say Macabre or Macabre. Uh, William Castle did this. This movie I really, really enjoyed. Um, it is about a doctor who's kind of frowned upon in the town because the word on the street is that he could have been there for his wife. Um, she's recently deceased. He was hanging out with another lady having a drink, and then he came home and realized his wife was dead. Um, they have a little girl. Uh, he had a little girl that passed away uh, beforehand. Uh, there is a uh, the woman he was married to had a sister. She died like the year before. So all this like weird death surrounds this doctor guy, um, and the townspeople kind of dislike him aside from uh, his nurse who works with him, um, he gets a phone call saying his daughter is buried um, and he has basically six hours to find her. Um, and he doesn't want to ask any of the townspeople or any of the, because the police officer just like fucking runs up to him and like punches him in the stomach. And he's like, you know, basically you're scum of the earth. Get out of this town because like he was really close to his wife, you know, it was like friendship wise. Um, so he's like scared to ask anybody. So he like just starts tearing down graves, trying to find his daughter that is buried in six feet under. Um, so it's pretty suspenseful. And I love how these movies start out. Like, you know, beast five fingers starts at the eerie setting, but this starts off with like, Hey, you're about to watch a William castle picture. If you have, you know, any heart issues, you need to leave the theater now, like that type of thing. You know, um, it just puts you in the mood. Like, I like that type of shit. That's their version um, of uh, this film was based on a true story. 
Yeah, like I just like, you know, this movie's going to, you know, probably give you a fucking heart attack or here's a barf bag, you might need it, you know, that type of thing. Or when you hear bing, you know, to close your eyes if you're scared of gore. Like that type of thing. I like I like that. But macabre macabre is a decent flick. So um next up was I briefly spoke about this during I think South by last year. But it recently came out on a DVD. Um, it was one of those movies that I saw at South by and I was like, eh. And then like, when I started talking to people about it, I realized I liked it more than I thought I did in the very beginning. But it's a documentary. It's called Danny Says. Um, it's, who's the Danny? Uh, he, he was the, it's the Danny Fields guy. He, uh, produced like the Ramones records and he, he just produced a lot of shit, like even stuff for like the Beatles and, and stuff like that. So he's like this, he's like the reason why like all this music was, had a good producer and, and, and a good, um, you know, gained the popularity because this guy worked his ass off getting, you know, you know, bars to book them and, you know, getting them contracts with their record deals, getting, you know, uh, magazines to interview these people, kind of getting them worldwide publicity. And it's just kind of uh, his life and about what he did. And um very fun fact is that uh, this is the guy that's uh, the Beatles made that statement one time that uh, they're bigger than Jesus. Right, right. Well, there is this reason why, like, it was completely taken out of context, and it's actually because of this guy. And so, like, the Beatles blamed him. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it, it's a good documentary. It's pretty invasive about his uh, his life and what he did. If you're really into music, I highly suggest it. Um, this recently came. I don't know why this didn't come out on Blu-ray. Um, Danny says it didn't come out on Blu-ray either. Um, this is by Film Movement. Uh, this is, uh, I talked about this, I think, a while ago on the show. I saw it at, uh, Fantastic Fest, I think. The director of, uh, Borgman, which I was, uh, kind of a fan of. So I was really excited to see this. Uh, I rewatched it. I, I enjoyed it a lot more the second time around, I guess, because I kind of knew what I was getting into, because I was expecting another Borgman. And it's not. It's, uh, kind of a bumbling, stumbling, comedy um it's called snyder versus backs it's about uh, basically two hitmen that are kind of like pieces of shit and uh they kind of like face off um like at a house and they just and it's just like there's so many things that intervene like with people visiting and stuff like that and they're like trying to kill each other <laughs> um it's it's funny it, it it's it's uh it's com- if you if anybody has seen Borgman, which I know a lot of people probably don't know what that movie is, um, but uh, it's nothing like that whatsoever. Just a lot of fun, you know, uh, just funny. It, it's a funny action comedy. It's not like intense with like shootouts or anything like that as far as comedy goes. It's just very like low, low key, like that type of shit. But uh, decent some companies, uh, by, everyone's bypassing Blu-ray and doing DVD or digital only. It's got to be just costing, right? I, mean, I feel like yeah. Blu-ray is starting. To I get, don't think I don't think these movies sell that well. Yeah. I think they do probably better digitally, and DVD still sells, man. Crazy. 
This is like I even said, uh, we should ask Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome says DVD sells out, uh, outsells Blu-rays most of the time. Um, so next up was, uh, we didn't talk about this. I obviously won't spend much time because everybody knows what this movie is, but I got around to watching Arrow's Chud. Um, really great transfer. Great job. Way better than the image, uh, um, DVD. Um, just an all around fun movie. And Daniel Stern is fucking great. John Goodman and even his small little appearance in the film. He's great. Um, yeah, it's just that ending with John Goodman. I just, I just love, um, but what's the, the guy that plays, uh, fucking Mr. McAllister and fucking home alone. I always forget his name. Uh, what's his name? God damn it. John Hurd. Like John, John Hurd's great. Like, it's just like the two people that you wouldn't think that would be the stars of the film, a photographer and some guy that feeds the homeless end up like the main stars of battling like these fucking, you know, monsters underground. I just love that. I love how it's not like some fucking military guy or some scientist. It's literally just two guys that interact with the homeless, find out what's killing the homeless and they yeah. go off against it. Well, but I like uh, this one, that's, that's why I, I was, was reacted to Chud too the way I reacted. Cause I was like, it's just basically turned into, you know, like a, re- a return of the living dead sequel. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it's very uh, comparable. So they um, they did a uh, for the I guess this is the limited edition because I imagine the they'll have another Chud version come out. But if you get this one, it has the integral cut. That's a new 2K transfer, and then they put the old uh, Blu-ray theatrical cut. Uh, that's the limited edition part, I think. Is uh, I didn't realize that there was going to be. I guess well, usually they do that. No, they usually do that. They have a limited edition of like another cut or something like that. Then they release another version of the film that's just, huh. you know, because they but they probably don't have the rights for so many. Yeah. Um, but I watched the integral cut, the new the new two K transfer. It's uh, looks fantastic, uh, like usual. Great work that um, uh, Arrow does. Uh, next up. Um, this is another film that I spoke about uh, last year a little bit. Um, I rewatched it. I gave it another chance because this is a movie that everybody fucking loved and I was not a fan of. Um, I've watched it twice now, and my opinion still stands. Um, Don't Breathe, which when I saw it, I think I reported back during South by Southwest. I didn't know what it was called at the time. I don't think I did, but I saw it under... Uh, Untitled Fide Alvarez Ghost House Pictures Thriller. Um, and they changed the title Don't Breathe. I just don't get it. Like, I'm not a fan of it. Um, it takes the tropes of, like, stuff that, like, almost like a play-by-play of, like, little plot points, like, in People Under the Stairs. Um, but I'm just, like, just fucking run, dude. Like, kick the fucking blind guy in his balls, like, and it's just like, it just goes a little over the top at times, and there's like this weird rapey thing, um, I don't know, it's just, it's not eventful, like. somebody, uh, in the store, like in Target or something, they had a turkey baster and a copy of Don't Breathe, and they, that's what they were buying. <laughs> so, like, it, it has moments, like, with the sound design in the movie. 
the movie looks great as far as like cinematography goes, but like acting wise, I mean, the only person that's bringing anything to the table is Stephen Lang, which is is always great. Yeah, but I just I just can't get into it. Um, I've been seeing Don't Breathe and Lights Out on a lot of top ten lists for horror this uh, of the year, and yeah, I'm sorry I don't get the Lights Out thing. I guess just because it's an interesting villain creature, I guess idea. But I just realized I got a lot of South by Southwest movies that are re-released that I yeah, have here. South by Southwest episode part two. Um, so the next, I, I, well, I always end up watching stuff no, that I don't yeah, like. Yeah, I watch it again. Like, I really know, do. But it's good to know that these are out. Like, some of these are out. because Like, just, yeah, because you talk about it and people forget. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I am a firm believer that, you know, you need to watch a movie twice if you don't like it. Yeah, I think so. You know, because you, you just, well, you watched it twice, kind of. Um, <laughs> so, like. That's the first ten minutes twice. <laughs> Almost uh, off again. Go for it. Sorry, go. I this is Ty West's new movie, which I'm a huge Ty West fan. Uh, In a Valley of Violence with Ethan Hawke and John Travolta, um, aka John Wick in the West. <laughs> um, basic story is literally the you know guy gets his dog killed, so he goes after all these townsfolk in this uh, you know town. Ethan Hawke goes to tear him up. John Travolta's the sheriff. Uh, basic plot. Um, I just didn't feel that, like I wanted, since Ty West is a genre filmmaker, I think I wanted more out of him. So that's the reason why I rewatched the movie is because, I mean, Ty West has made some great films. Like even though people kind of shit on the roost, I love the roost. It brings me back to the eighties. Like how the setup is with the monster movie and stuff like that. And Tom Noonan comes out and he talks about it. Like, I love that. You know, I, I, I wasn't a fan of Trigger Men. Um, I love the innkeepers. I love how funny it is and scary it is. Um, you know, I was a big fan of Cabin Fever 2, even though Ty West, like, completely doesn't want to say he did the movie. Um, I love the sacraments. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Ty West fan for sure. So I was really excited to see this. And, you know, he's kind of a genre filmmaker. I was expecting maybe a little bit more from Western because he had a budget, you know. Um, the opening of the film is great. The credit sequence makes you feel like it's an old school spaghetti Western. And then it just kind of falls to the wayside and doesn't really do much. And I felt the same way watching it again. Like, I, I think I liked it a little bit more, but again, like I would just like, can you show me something new or something that like kind of a creative story in the Western setting or do a standard basic story, like, but I think that if I would have saw John Wick and I was starting to make, because they even talk about that, like, they were in, like, the script was approved and they were going into pre-production and then they saw John Wick and then apparently Jason Bloom was like, yeah, don't worry about it. And it's like, eh, maybe you should change something because we just saw this happen, you know? And Keanu Reeves kicked a little bit more ass. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to say the movie's bad or anything. It just wasn't for me. But it has its moments. It's got some great performances. Um, you know, I just wish it had, like, a better soundtrack, stuff like that. I don't know. There's a lot of factors in that uh, I just I just wanted more 
out of the film. Yeah. Uh, next up was uh, man, this is this is a tough one for me. Extremely tough. I hated. I hate. I hate saying what I'm about to say because I truly do. Um, I am a Brian Bertino fan. I think The Strangers is one of the best horror films of like the 2000s. Like even today, I still think it's one of the top horror films ever. Um, even though BJ hates the end of Mockingbird, I fucking love the idea of Mockingbird. I love Mockingbird. So when I knew he was doing another horror film called The Monster, I was like, oh my God, this movie looks like it was made for me. Dude, I did not like this movie at all. Like, I was so fucking frustrated through this whole entire movie. And don't listen to me. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, do not listen to Brad right now. Watch this movie because I am apparently wrong because people love this movie. Um, I just couldn't get into it. Like, I hate everybody in this movie. Like, I have no feelings for everybody. I wanted the movie to end. I wanted everybody to die. I just didn't care. But people like it. Um, I, if I say, the the monster. Okay. Um, special effects on the monster? Fucking incredible, for the most part. Um, at times it does look like they just took a guy and wrapped him up in a trash bag and made him slimy. <laughs> I mean, it looks good though. I mean, you know what it is. You get to see it, uh, you know, uh, fairly well. Um, I just, I just couldn't get into it. Um, and the thing is, is that don't read reviews because they're comparing it to another movie. And if you know what it, they're comparing it to, it gives the ending away. Oh. Um, so like, don't read reviews. I didn't. And then I watched it and I was like, what? And then like, I was started to read a little bit about it and I was like, okay, I'm right. I hate this. Um, but man, fucking, I was really, really hoping because I, I love Brian Bertino's work. Um, so next up was, uh, Arrow's edition of Creepshow 2. Uh, way better than what that shit was released in the UK. Um, who released that? It was it the UK? It was it released in the UK? Was it the UK? No, there's, a, there's a US disc for Creepshow Two. Uh, okay, it looks awful. My my copy is uh, somewhere in between the UK and uh, Grindhouse Video. Nate, <laughs> somewhere. I'm still waiting. So, um, Creepshow Two. I've been a fan of the series. I even kind of like Part Three a little bit. Um. But uh, Creepshow 2 is, uh, I, I love the setup. I love the Savini character, uh, who he plays the fucking garbage man, weird dude. Um, I like kind of the tie-in story. I, I like the Chief Woodenhead thing. Uh, I love the raft. I think the raft is fucking outstanding. I think the raft, out of all the Creepshow movies, the raft is the best. Um Looks great, a lot of fun. I know everybody's seen Creepshow and Creepshow 2, so pick it up. It's definitely worth your time, and they did a hell of a job on that special special edition. Um, I'll do these movies together. 
Um, I got around to watching the editions of Phantasm Remastered and Phantasm Ravager, which I saw both of these films, obviously, uh, before. Um, but watching, you know, I saw the remastered version at um, Fantastic Fest, saw it on the big, big screen, so I was, you know, still excited to watch it at home. I, I feel Phantasm is like 30 minutes long. Every time I watch it, I feel it is so short. Uh, it moves so fast. It's it's so well pieced together. Um, it's a bad shit fucking movie though, man. It's so crazy. Like you try to explain Phantasm, it's just kind of fucking hard, you know. Um, but it looks so good on Blu-ray. Well, go um, put this out. Of course, Abrams was behind the uh, restoration. It looks great, which is a lot of fun. On this one, is they actually include the original. Uh, mono mix, which is obviously, uh, before they revamped the sound, um, which sometimes I kind of prefer on releases like this because, like, I like the sound that they did for Night of the Demons on Blu-ray, uh, Screen Factory because it needed it. Uh, this one, uh, I like how dainty it sounds. I don't like the heavy ball sounds moving. I don't like the grumbling of the, um, you know, creatures. I don't like the kind of the shaking or the rattling when, boy, that stuff. I kind of like that mono track. So I I preferred it. And it was weird for me saying that because usually I don't give a fuck. Just whatever the default is and it sounds great, that's fine. But I actually tested it out and there is a big difference. Um, But, uh, not really stacked on special features. It's they pulled out the um, special features that was basically on the old DVD that MGM released, um, but looks great. Um, I gave Phantasm Ravenger another shot. I've now seen this movie three times. Um, I, if you're a hardcore Phantasm fan, it's a fun, yeah. If you're not a Phantasm fan, stay away from it. If you absolutely love the series, there's a lot of stuff in there for you to laugh and smile about. It's just not that great of a movie. And then two more, two more, two more. Relax. Uh, I got around to watching film movements. Uh, I actually uh, covered um, Boiling Point by Katano. Um, Violent Cop is his first feature. That is fucking outstanding, man. I, uh, I saw this movie years ago. Um, it's amazing that Katano isn't making, like, isn't, like, fucking winning Oscars or, like, is fucking has some giant statue of a great filmmaker. Fucking Katano is so fucking good. It's absolutely ridiculous, like, how he brings a movie in. Like, Violent Cop is his debut feature, and God damn, dude. Like, it's so fucking rough. It's so good. He's, like, I just love, like, how he just stands and looks before, like, there's, like, sequences in all his movies where he always plays the badass, but, like, he's just, like, he just stares, like, at the, you know, other character and just doesn't say anything. Like, there's, like, 20 seconds of just silence and staring, and then he just fucking hauls off and hits somebody. Like, like I feel like when that 
happens in his movies like even though he does it a lot it gets me every single time because it's like holy shit he's gonna fucking blow up like something's gonna happen and i love like he's got to talk to his actors and be like all right look i'm just gonna fucking hit you and we're not gonna make it look like it's fake there's not gonna be a stunt double i'm gonna fucking hit you like 30 times over the period of the next five minutes and it feels like those actors are like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I feel all right. Let's do this. Cause dude, when he fucking hits people, like there's a sequence in a bathroom where he just keeps slapping the shit out of this guy and this guy's face. And it's like one take and this guy's face is getting so fucking red and you can see like the blood vessels and like it's starting to like bleed. And it's like, there's no special effects right now. There's no makeup. He's like literally slapping this guy and in order to get that scene that they want. And you can see like the anger like building up to where he then he just explodes and starts screaming. And it's like, God damn, dude. Like, you know, I, I don't want people to go off and be like, oh, yeah, let's fucking beat up our actors. But there's something with Katano doing it like in the 90s, uh, making the films he did, just going balls out and just fucking pure insanity but he's he he knows how to put together he's like like this is like watching like a larry david version of like a yakuza movie like even in the music and violent cop it's but it's just some standard like story where he gets himself into some shit and then he's like fuck man i fucked myself now i gotta get out of this and it's just like some mundane like Seinfeld episode, it feels like, but just like with some hardcore like guns and fighting and punching and like, you know, just beating the shit out of people. Um, but Felt Movement released Boiling Point and Violent Cop. Um, they did such a good job. The artwork is funky as fuck, though. Man, the artwork on these is weird. Um, but he... Uh, there's some really great in-depth, invasive documentaries on the discs about, uh, you know, uh, you know, Takeshi Katano is just known as Beat, Beat, uh, you know, Takeshi Beat, Beat Takeshi, Takeshi Katano, whatever you want to say. You know, he's got a man of a million names, but like when you see him, you're like, holy shit, I know who that is. Uh, but just a great, everybody knows him from fucking Battle Royale. He's the fucking announcer, um, and MXC. Um, so great, great job by film movement. I really hope if they're putting out Katano films, they put out everything because the, his movies need to be seen. And his new outrage movie is coming out this year. So it, that's a trilogy people. So Magnet released them, Outrage, Beyond Outrage. And then I forget what the third one's called. Um, and the last but not least, uh, this movie probably would have made my top 10 of, uh, 2016 if I saw it beforehand. This is one of, uh, the best zombie movies out there, at least top 10, uh, was, uh, getting a lot of buzz, uh, Train to Busan. Um, dude, it is fucking intense. It is great. It's got great characters. It's got great camaraderie. It's got people joining together because they don't have a choice to overcome this huge fucking obstacle. It takes place entirely mostly on a fucking train. Like, uh, and there's a couple, you know, scenes obviously where, you know, there's not a train involved. But dude, it's like, like that 
like Snowpiercer, like when they were going from one train to the other, that's kind of what this is like. And dude, and it's just like a fucking train full of zombies and you're like trying to get through like these, uh, you know, the, these, um, what do they call them? Fucking trams, cars, box cars, trying to get from one car to the other. Um, but it's just, it's so great. And I know that people are talking shit about the melodrama. The, I don't really care for melodrama in horror films, but when you care about the characters, like everybody in this movie, like for the most part, like is the stars of the film. Um, you just really love and you get so attached to them. And the, the father daughter, uh, characters are great. The, you know, the husband and wife or the wife's pregnant. That's fucking great. Um, the baseball team, uh, is great. Like, it's just like everybody is just so likable and lovable. And then like the catastrophe happens and you just watch them all work together. Like I love movies like that where no one knows one another, no one's friends. And it's like, Hey, um, this is happening. Can I be your best friend? Sure. Let's go kick some ass. Like, that's what I love about it. And it's just, and it's super intense. It's a two hour zombie epic. The melodrama is great. Um, I love it so much. It, 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 like, usually in horror films, we watch a zombie movie and it's just zombies attacking and it's a lot of cool gore. Uh, you know, some great action sequences, lots of running, uh, very eventful, and then it ends. Uh, that is this movie, but also has some attaches you to the characters, so you fucking care. You know, like, I, yeah, I love zombie movies, but I also like good characters, and I like to be attached to them. And Train to Busan, Train to Busan does it perfectly. It's excellent. Go see it. Um, you're saying this is like a Walmart exclusive, right? Well, I've only been able to find, like, the, <clears throat> the Blu-ray to be able to be pre-ordered at Target. Um, I keep checking on Amazon and I can't fucking find the thing. And I, I'm not sure about Best Buy. I don't really. Yeah, it should it should be out soon. So I'm, I'm assuming it's well go. So it's definitely going to be. It's going to be wise. It's going to be at Best Buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be everywhere. I just think for some reason there's uh, it's hard to find the right thing to pre-order right now. But I'll be. But, uh, but that's it, man. Uh, I uh, that's my what's on your doorstep. Oh no, it's not. Sorry. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Pulling a Sean. Um. Yeah, because I forgot. Because you reminded me. I have actually um, letterbox. Um, cause I watched some, uh, on demand stuff. That was all like Blu-rays and stuff. Um, so real quick, I watched, uh, uh, ABC's of Death 2, which is, uh, the M competition of all the M's that they had. Um, was it like 2.5 or something? Yeah, ABC's of Death 2.5. It's okay. You know, it has some, like, it's actually just like the other ABC's of Death. It's got some great ones and a whole lot of bad ones. Um, but uh, M for mailbox is really great. M for magnetic tape. Well, they're all M. But magnetic tape um, and mailbox are probably the top ones. Uh, those are really great. Um, but they start off with magnetic tape, so it kind of blows their load early. Um, and then I got around to watching. I, I'm, this is going to be summed up in uh, just a few sentences. I watched Sausage Party. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It it's stupid because it simply relies on food comparing with um like uh 
what am I trying to say here? I guess it's not going to be a few sentences. Um, it's just lazy because it takes the food and just kind of makes it. What do I want to say there? I'm just drawing a blank. It's just cheap and lazy because they. Um, it's not clever. Like it's, it, no, it's not. It's not I, clever. But I, what, I laughed what a few that? times, but like they just take like this the, your normal Seth Rogen stoner humor and kind of throw it in with hot dogs and buns and stuff, which all, none of them would really know what the hell any of that stuff is anyway. Like there's like <laughs> no, but it's not that. It's just that they. Um, I don't know. It's just. I can't it's think la- of what it's I'm lazy. I, mean, I, I when I first saw it, I, I mean, I laughed and I like I, I latched onto the idea. I think more than the overall thing. Like but once I once I after I watched it all the way through, I kind of digested it in my brain and and you know, yeah, I laughed a lot, but there's not a whole hell of a lot holding nothing together, and I'll never watch it again. Oh, dude, and it's fucking it, terrible. It wants to be because it uses like. You know, the it relies on it and, relies on racism. And there's, in order, there's that in order to be, which I'm fine. I'm not like offended or anything, but they rely so much on racism and stuff like that to fuel the like behind the movie. And it's just like, man, it's so fucking lazy. Like it's just, you know, it's just lazy writing. It's not. It's like, oh, we have a taco, so guess what? They're all Mexicans and yeah. they don't work. Ha 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 ha! And it's like. <laughs> I don't know if that's funny, man. The bagels <laughs> Jewish. Yeah, like, oh my god, we're bagels. Like, you know, well, we have a bunch of money and we work all the time and we're not going to give you anything. We killed Jesus. And it's like, that's not funny. Like, you know, wow. You use racism tropes in order to, like, I just don't get it. Like, did anybody like Sausage Party, though? Like, I feel like it came out and then, like, no one fucking The cared. trailer was fantastic. I was all excited about it. I think once everyone saw the finished thing, it was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, some people liked it, but it it's like it could have been there's so the, the potential was there and it, the potential just got squandered by I mean, but I mean, I like Seth Rogen to a point, but I I was talking with with my wife about this cuz we will we'll always end up watching a Seth Rogen movie, but they're disposable, like they're not rewatchable. Uh, with the exception of a couple, like there's um the one where he plays like that mall cop, which is actually really good. Yeah, I like observing um, report. Observing yeah. report, and then um, I uh, I love Superbad. I mean, I know that's not him, but I mean, he wrote it. But well, when he's it's... teamed up with the writer of Superbad, I feel like Evan Goldberg. But they wrote this they together wrote this too. Shit. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It, this it's just. I, I mean, it's clever. Here. It's clever in a way, like with the Christianity seat, like stuff so and everything. Could have, but it's like it's clever. It's just like I feel like we've seen like that racism, those racism jokes before. You know, like I just, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's all right. Like I said, I laughed, but it's disposable. And then I watched um, Beyond the, uh, Jackson Stewart's Beyond the Gates. Um, this is actually the second time I've seen it. I saw this, uh, a while ago, actually. I don't even know if it was a finished cut, but I like to support, uh, friends and stuff. So I rented this. I like it. You know, I wasn't going apeshit about it when I very first saw it. It it has a great soundtrack. Barbara Crampton's great. Bria Grant's great. Graham Skipper's always, uh, you know, a real treat to have, um, you know, it's creepy, it's scary, it reminds me of the VHS board games, because uh, I had that one um, 
the Held one, I forget, or Nightmare, I think it was called. Um, but anyways, like, it takes that, like, thing that didn't last very long, and they made a movie about it. I thought it was pretty clever. Um, but yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun little throwback, so I would, uh, suggest watching it if you, if like you dig a, this sort of thing. There's like a small, like, a limited fraction of the population that remembers these games and actually played them. It was such a here and then gone idea, you know. I remember seeing them a lot, and that's the weird part because yeah, the Clue game. Yeah, there was Clue. There was like a Wayne's World one. Um, there was like a ah shit. It was uh, like a dance. Like it was like a party. Like a, some like a house party one. Not like house party like the movie, but there was like a party one. Um, like I remember them. And I thought they were more popular, I guess. Like, they left my, they left my mind. Cause I remember seeing them a lot when I was younger. Yeah. I remember seeing them like at garage sales and stuff. And then, like, I just completely forgot about them. And then when I heard about the plot of Beyond the Gates, I was like, oh yeah, video game, uh, you know, video game, board games. VHS and like, I look, yeah, VHS board games. And I look it up and I'm like, oh wait, this wasn't super popular. I was like, would I just like a big fucking nerd and knew about this shit? But anyways, nerds are making nerds uh, for nerds are making movies for nerds and Jackson Stewart kills it. And, um, you know, he, he, he took he took a really funny, obscure thing and 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 made it uh, into a horror film, which it, it works. That's it. All right. All right, all right. Well, very cool. We are going to do a news segment with Josh Obershaw. Uh, his Skype was uh, being being shitty, so he has recorded his segment, and uh, we're gonna see how this goes. So we'll jump into jo- into news with Josh Obershaw right now, and then we'll be back with Brandon and James from Vinegar Syndrome right after this, and then we'll talk about uh, more movies. So stick around. Happy New Year, Screencast listeners. This is Josh Obershaw with the news for the first week of 2017. And this first week was sure a busy one. We've got new updates, new announcements, tons of new stuff. So why don't we just get right down to it? And I'm very pleased that this is the first news item to share with you. Everybody's favorite killer doll, Chucky, is back. The seventh film in the Child's Play series, entitled Cult of Chucky, is currently being filmed in Winnipeg, Canada. Features the return of series creator Don Mancini in the director's chair. He's also writing the new film. Brad Dorff is back, of course, as the voice of Chucky. Fiona Dorff is returning from uh, Curse of Chucky. And we also got returning franchise veterans Alex Vincent and, of course, Jennifer Tilly. This one is going to be coming out in the fall of 2017 from Universal. So keep your eyes open for more details on this uh, exciting bit of new movie news. Let's get back to uh, some Blu-ray news. Speaking of Universal, uh, Roger Corman's Death Race 2050 is going to be coming out on Blu-ray this coming Tuesday, January 17th. Uh, It's going to feature an appearance by Malcolm McDowell and taking over the role of Frankenstein who uh, David Carradine famously played in the original Death Race, is Manu Bennett. 
And if you're a fan of the TV show Arrow, he played Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke. The special features for this one, The Making of 2050. This featurette goes behind the scenes of Roger Corman's Death Race 2050 to explore why, over four decades later, the original Death Race 2000 has been remade, including what made this project appealing to cast and crew, what changes have been made, uh, what fans of the original will still love. Discover the movie magic behind the death, stunts, and, of course, the cars, including interviews with stars, director G.J. Etchterkamp, I hope I said that right, and Roger Corman himself. We also got Cars, Cars, Cars. Go on the set with the drivers of 2050 as they introduce their one-of-a-kind killing machines, Frankenstein and his monster, Perfectus and his piece of art, Tammy and the Tank, Minerva and her soundbox, and ABE. Also, The Look of 2050, an insider look at how the film's visual style came together, including how shooting in Peru helped set the tone for the picture and how the costumes became the stars in and of themselves. So once again, Death Race 2050, that one is coming out on January 17th. Next up, we have a long list of stuff from Shout Factory. We're going to start with uh, Shout Factory proper. They've got two uh, cult action classics coming out on Blu-ray. The first one is a standalone Blu-ray of 1984's Exterminator 2, starring Robert Ginty. That one is scheduled for release on April 25th. They are also going to be releasing on April 11th, get this, Never Too Young to Die, starring John Stamos, Vanity, Gene Simmons, and George Lazenby. Now moving on to Scream Factory. We got a couple of updates to share with you. The first one is concerning Dead Time Stories, which is coming out on February 28th. We got the final list of extras for you. We have a new high-definition transfer from the original negative, audio commentary with writer and director Jeff Delman, I Like the Grotesque, an interview with co-writer-director Jeff Delman, interviews with and actors Catherine DePrume, Melissa Leo, and Scott Valentine, The Black Forest, an alternate cut of the first story, deleted scenes, theatrical trailers, and still gallery. Also, we have an update on Tales from the Hood. This one is going to be coming out on April 18th. It will be a collector's edition, and the front cover art is going to be by Joel Robinson, who, of course, did the new covers for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Serpent in the Rainbow, and Black Christmas. Also coming from uh, Scream Factory in April, Invasion of the B-Girls, that one is set on April 4th. The Vampire is coming out on April 11th. Also coming out on April 11th is Demented, starring Harry Reams. Coming out on April 25th, we've got The Screaming Skull and I Buried the Living. So there are your uh, Scream Factory updates. Next up, we're moving on to Kino Lorber. They're playing with fire from 1984, starring Sybil Danning. That one is coming out on March 28th, and the extras for this one include... HD transfer, interview with Sybil Danning, an original trailer, a trailer gallery, and optional English SDH subtitles. Oh, and get this. Kino is also putting out Octoman on Blu-ray. Uh, that one is scheduled for early 2017. We don't have any other news for that one just yet. 
Moving right along to 88 films. First one I want to mention is 2019, After the Fall of New York. This one is scheduled for release on March 27th. The extras for this one include a reversible sleeve and interviews with director Sergio Martino, Massimo Anotello Galeng, and another interview with Galeng and Giancarlo Marin. Next up from 88, Iron Master. We have a date for Iron Master. That is April 10th. And the extras for this one are interviews, Anotello and Giancarlo, another one with George Eastman, and another interview with director Umberto Lenzi. Next up, the date is May 15th, and we've got three coming out that date. First one is Delirium. That one's going to include an interview with Lumberto Bava. We've got Return to Horror High, starring George Clooney. And we've got Mass Avengers from the director of The Five Venoms. The extras for this one include HD and SD in 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio. It is going to be dubbed in English, but there's also going to be the Mandarin soundtrack with subtitles. We've got a commentary with acclaimed Kung Fu expert Bay Logan, a trailer, and also booklet notes by Dr. Callum Waddell. So that's it for 88 Films. So if you have a region-free player and you like 88 stuff, lots of good stuff coming the way. Okay, next up, we got a sneak peek at the February package from our sponsors, Vinegar Syndrome. What, let's see, what do we want to start with first? Okay, DVD-only announcements. They're going to be putting out a DVD of The Love Slaves, and the special features for this one include uh, scanned and restored in 2K from 35mm archival elements, video interview with director Bob Chin, and a video introduction from Bob Chin. Also coming out is a double feature, The Nightbird and Night of the Spanish Fly. Coming out on Blu-ray is Babyface from acclaimed filmmaker Alex DeRenzi. Special features include 2K restoration from 35mm vault elements, extensive audio interview with actress Molly Seagram, Parochial Passion Princess, a short film by Alex DeRenzi, and reversible cover artwork. And the one I'm really excited about is the 1987 slasher Slaughterhouse. There's a ton of features on this one. Uh, it's newly scanned and restored in 2K. Got an audio commentary track with director Rick Rosler, producer Jerry Enko, and production designer Michael Scaglioni. A new video interview with lead actress Sherry Bendoff-Lee. Making a low-budget indie. It's a featurette with Rick Rosler. Let's see, producing Slaughterhouse. Interview with Jerry Enko. Archival interviews with Rosler and Enko. Epilogue, 30 years after the slaughter. Radio interview featurette from 1987. A local news coverage from the theatrical premiere. Behind-the-scenes featurette. Outtakes. No smoking. Slaughterhouse snipe. Multiple theatrical trailers, TV, and radio spots. A shooting script gallery. Reversible cover art. And optional English SD subtitles. So, Vinegar Syndrome's uh, February package is looking pretty sweet. All right, folks, what else we got? I got a couple of uh, short little bits I want to share with you. Uh, Dark Sky Films is going to be putting out the sequel to Stakeland, Stakeland 2, on Valentine's Day. Magnolia is going to be releasing The Eyes of My Mother on March 7th. 
and Mondo Macabro have announced two Spanish films for release sometime in the first half of 2017. And those two films are Who Can Kill a Child and The Blood Splattered Bride. Next up from Severn, they're going to be releasing the Italian film Wild Beasts on February 7th. The uh, special features for this one include Altered Beasts, which is an interview with director Franco E. Prosperi, Wild Tony, an interview with actor Tony DeLeo, Cut After Cut, interview with editor and Mondo filmmaker Mario Mora, The Circus is in Town, interview with animal wrangler Roberto Timberti's son, Carl Tiberti. House of Wild Beasts, a visit to the home of Franco E. Prosperi, and an original international trailer. This one sounds nuts, and I can't wait to see that one. Next up, Scorpion releasing. First of all, I just want to let everybody know that the film Don't Go in the House is now available on Blu-ray for purchase at www.roninflix.com. And if you go to that website, they also have Happy Hell Night, Slaughterhouse Rock, and The Hills Have Eyes 3, also known as Mind Ripper. But uh, getting back to news, we have our first look at the uh, Deluxe Collector's Blu-ray edition of Dario Argento's Opera. And some of the special features on this one, we've got a new 2K scan of the original camera negative with extensive color correction exclusive to this release. Two different English tracks and the Italian track with English subtitles. The film is presented in two aspect ratios, each on their own dual-layered disc. First one is in 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio, and the other one is 1.78. Got a new audio commentary with film historian Nathaniel Thompson, and new interviews with stars William McNamara, Barbara Cupisti, Coralina Cataldi-Tassoni, Urbano Barberini, and makeup artist Franco Casagni. Interviews with director Dario Argento, uh, composer Claudio Simonetti, screenwriter Franco Farini, special effects artist artist Sergio Stivaletti, press agent Enrico Lucciarini, and movie historian Fabrizio Spurio. We also have the U.S. Orion Pictures cut, the original theatrical trailers, and apparently there's going to be more on the way, so... We don't have an exact release date for this yet. It says uh, it's going to be on the market early next year. So as soon as we get updates, we'll just let you know. But also coming out from Scorpion Releasing is the 1982 film Humongous. And this is also uh, undated at the moment. But the special features, we got two versions of the film. We have an R-rated cut in HD. And there's going to be an unrated cut in HD with standard definition inserts. We also have a new interview with actor David Wallace, an audio commentary with director Paul Lynch and writer William Gray, moderated by Nathaniel Thompson. There's also a theatrical trailer, watching in nightmare theater mode, reversible cover featuring the original movie poster, and the first 2,000 copies only, a slip sleeve featuring custom artwork by artist Kung Fu Bob. And that's all the news for uh, this week's screencast. Uh, if this week is any indication, I think we're going to be in for a pretty awesome 2017. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Splatter. Going to turn it back over to Sean and company. So this is Josh Obershaw saying, see you later.
right, and joining us on uh, today's episode, we have the uh, gentleman from Vinegar Syndrome, Brandon and James. What's up? What's up, guys? Hey, hey, how's it going? Good. It's, it's going well. Thank you for asking. Happy New of Year course. and all that general stuff. Yeah, same to you guys. Um, you guys, I think had you guys keep topping yourself every year as far as uh, Vinegar Syndrome releases. I think last this last year, 2016. Uh, I mean, not just because you released Jack Frost on Blu-ray, but I mean, there's other releases as well. But uh, I think 2016 was a strong year for you guys. How, how did you guys feel? Uh, yeah, it was it was a, a very crazy year. You uh, didn't sleep a lot, no, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah, especially near the end. Yeah, no, it was it was really awesome. It was it was an, just a banner year for us. At the, you know, it was just crazy. We I don't think. We were like doing the kind of the jobs of like fifty people, you know, from five of us. So it's, very, very modest and brand new. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it was it was really it was awesome. It was worth it, and yeah, we're just glad the releases came out as awesome as they did and as yeah. well received. And you know, especially the stuff like Jack Frost and Undertaker, and but also you know earlier on, you know, we got all the Dolomite films out. Uh, we we got some you know really big x-rated films out like taboo so it it was just a crazy year and and next year looks even crazier <laughs> yeah so any uh any of your like personal favorites from this year like something that you like enjoyed maybe the everything from you know the rights situation to restoration to releasing it to seeing people you know um you know, go off about it. Well, what what was one of your favorite releases for this year, both from both? Of you? I I like that we put out Psychic Killer, and uh, uh, it's one of my personal favorites from this year. I really enjoyed working on it. I think it's very underrated, and I wish more people would check it out. Mm-hmm. Randy, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, yeah, no, um, no, that's a great one. But for me personally, the the big one for me was The Undertaker. Because that was just so much work to get together. And, you know, a little shout out to Brad. He did, he did kind of help in, like, finding contacts for us and everything. And But, like, getting that whole release to happen and to see the original cut of it and just get it out there in the world, that that really, it, it was pretty crazy. But finally, you know, meeting William James Kennedy and getting him to talk about the behind the scenes of it and... It, it was just a, a crazy release to get together, but it, it's one that, like, towards my heart, it's really special to me. But, you know, even stuff like Jack Frost, that was awesome to get out to. And, you know, seeing getting the Dolomite films out, that that was another great one but to get out. And But I think my favorite would still be Undertaker. Uh, that was just, you know, the way it came together. That and, was Brandon's baby for a long time. Yeah. So it, and we couldn't have done it without you, Brad. Thanks, bud. Oh, no problem, man. <laughs> Brad, no, you're no problem. Bad, bud. Brad hasn't pat himself on the back at all. No, um, I have not. I don't have it, like, ha- like hanging up in my house either. <laughs> and I tell strangers when they walk through my door, hey, look at this. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, now... What were you guys? Now I'm curious. What were your guys' favorite releases of the year? From uh, from us, I guess. I, or I from mean, anybody else? Or from anybody else? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I had a lot of fun um, checking out um, uh, Death Row Game Show. 
Like that was, I mean, I, the, the great, the great thing about you guys is like, I'm always discovering these B movie gems that I've never seen. I had had death row game show on some big, like uh, uh mill creep box set of like 200, you know, B movies. And I never had got to it. And it never even really, I mean, there's so many movies in that set. It was like, I couldn't even really keep track. And, but uh, seeing it for the first time, like in HD, and it was just a goofy, fun flick for me to, you know, check out. Um, this is one yeah. of my favorites for sure. And then of, of course, you know, getting more Linnea Quigley on Blu-ray was a highlight for me as, you know, with uh nightmare sisters and then uh murder right weapon and deadly embrace. But murder, murder weapon, I feel is very underrated. Like if it, it's a lot of fun. If, if, if it had, a, I think like two or three more kills and <laughs> kind of went in that direction, I feel like it would have been like kind of a, a little gory masterpiece. Yeah. And Michelle Bauer too. Better. <laughs> yeah. No, it came, I, I, but I love it. Yeah. Those, I mean, we're, we are doing uh witch trap next year and we, we already, I think you're interviewing Lania Quigley soon or it already happened, but yeah, we're, we're gearing up for that one. So that's going to be a, another great Lania Quigley one. And I think we're going to have a few more next year to do. Brad, how, how about you? What was your, uh, what was a couple of your favorites? I mean, other than, I mean, I mentioned Jack Frost already. Like I've just, have we talked about yet. Undertaker yet? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, uh, I think my favorite was Nightmare Sisters. Um, yeah. just because I grew up with that one. Um, I watched that a lot. Um, as, as a young teenage boy in my bedroom alone. <laughs> Um, and so it was just, it was nice to, you know, I haven't actually seen it for, a you know, in a good while. Um, so when they announced it, I was super excited, you know, held off on watching it, you know, beforehand again, um, just waited for the Blu-ray and it was, um, you know, so sometimes when you watch things like probably, you know, the best that they'll ever look, um, you know, because we're coming from this, I was coming from a VHS era where I was watching this and the tracking was all fucked up during the bathroom, uh, you know, the tub scene. Um, if anybody doesn't know about VHS tapes, when you, when those scenes would happen, nudity, you would notice that the tracking was all fucked up on tapes. Hmm. During nude scenes, it's because people would pause and rewind them during those no sequences. Way. What? So that's the reason why. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. So, um, instead of, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, watching it for the first, it feels like watching it for the first time almost again, when you're watching it, um, as like how it's originally presented rather than seeing it in a theater or anything. Um, cause I was too young and of course those things weren't playing near me and nobody would take me to go see those things. Um, but uh, watching them on Blu-ray, it's uh, it's definitely brings back memories of when when uh, a much simpler time, I guess, <laughs> of, of the VHS era. And I definitely remember seeing Nightmare Sisters, the the I guess you call it the clothed version on Up All Night on USA, and that's kind of where it came to me, where I was like, oh wow, I I definitely remember seeing this back then, and I. Uh, I, did you guys watch Up All Night? When yeah, it, when it with Ron DeShear. Yeah. Yep, yep. I didn't. But yeah. <laughs> Dude, the best, I, I just love Nightmare Sisters for a lot of reasons. I just love how Michelle Bauer just goes from, like, the fattest chick 
in the world. <laughs> Not even like fat, like they didn't do any prosthetics or anything. They just like put pillows under her hoodie. Yeah. And then she takes her clothes off and is suddenly the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> it's it's a big, crazy transition. It's fantastic. And then Lin- yeah. uh, Linnea Quigley's, uh, you know, hillbilly teeth. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Biting, biting members off. That's like beaver teeth, man. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what were some of your guys' like, I guess biggest challenges last year? I mean, other than you know, you guys deciding to do this crazy sale that I'm sure was a huge challenge. Was there anything that that you guys had to deal with that you were just surprised, you know? And well, we've had, had some growing pains, but mm-hmm. like pretty simple ones that are expected. Just like. You know, different, like, replication things and shipping things. It's all stuff that we're learning, and some of it has been a lot more difficult than others, but we'll always learn the lesson and then keep going from there. But that's – you're going to expect that when you're growing a business yeah. and trying yeah. a lot of new things. But, yeah, it was mostly just the sale that haunted all our <laughs> dreams. But that was an interesting two weeks of our lives, man. It was an awesome one, and we can't thank our fans enough. But, yeah, it was it – was, it was insane. <laughs> did it? Did it? I guess go off uh, better than you expected. I mean, were you? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like it was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was three times as many orders as we were expecting. <laughs> so we all just kind of like went to the office for two weeks and mm-hmm. didn't leave. Yeah, we just slept here, <laughs> and I just ate a lot of terrible pizza, but it was still pretty yeah. good. But uh, no, it was it was great. We learned a lot of things. We're we're gonna do some things differently for next year and you know, really, I guess be a little bit more on it. So, but it's better than the website crashing. So yeah, yeah. a lot of people forget the, the first year. That's why we <laughs> oh. will we'll never, we'll never do a countdown on our website again. <laughs> you know, those, you know, those big ass canisters we sell. Yeah. We it's... sold five times as many this year. <laughs> so like, and then people are ordering like 40 or 50 things to put in. Something. That would never fit that in the canister. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, seeing like pictures of those arriving on people's doorsteps. You know, it's just yeah. I love seeing that. Hated us. <laughs> yeah. Hated us so much. We come and there'd be like thirty of them. He's he fucking here, dude. <laughs> oh, I hate that job. Oh, yeah. He would say that. He'd be like, you show up, be like, I, I hate this job. I got to get a new job, dude. New year, I got to get a new job. <laughs> All because of those grindhouse canisters that would say like, I don't know, Teenage like, Fantasies three or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> three Ninja Twelve or something. <laughs> I, I pissed off the FedEx guy this year by ordering a uh, a friggin' fourteen uh, foot trampoline. Ooh, and, that's a good one. Nice. Yeah, and he the, uh, Walmart accidentally uh, shipped two, and I was honest and uh, you know had one shipped back. So he had he had to come back. I was waiting for him just to go like you know what, man, just keep it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's actually the case more often than not. <laughs> I know, I was surprised. Yeah. I was surprised, but but yeah. Actually, the, one of the people in this company, I won't say their name, but. They lived in Chicago for a while, and they had this like uh, problem with FedEx, where they somehow their address would get FedEx returns. So they, they get like three broken vacuums, <laughs> and they had to sign for each one, and none of them would work. And then you get like yeah, probably like five or six of those things a week. Nice, like a broken sink. <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing I've been wanting to ask. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys was um, about Candy Tangerine Man. 
uh, oh, yeah. and, and Lady Coco, um, that release, cause that was obviously like a print that was pretty beat up. And yep. I actually really dug the, you know, the kind of grindhouse feel uh, of that. But did, um, did you guys get any, any feedback or people complaining about that or, or did you let it, you know, I think there was, there was, there was a, a little, tidbit of something before the movie started i believe yeah but is this one of those things where there's like only so much you guys can do exactly it's one of those things where even like if we even if we had like the wherewithal of like like a great company like criterion has it would still take us to you know a couple years to fully restore this this print which unfortunately candy tangerine man and lady coco they were the only prints around and matt simber he did an introduction explaining this too how he had right I think he had gone to Europe or he'd gone traveling. And when he came back to pick up his negatives, they, they said, Oh, we couldn't get a hold of you. So we destroyed him, yeah. which was, which was un, it, as terrible as it sounds. It was way more common than people huh. like to think about. So yeah, the, the negatives are believed burned up or destroyed for both films. Wow. So and it was the case where, and, and those prints we got from Matt Simmer. He's like, this is literally the best I've seen him. And, <laughs> Every everywhere else had you know they were blood red or just even more destroyed. So yeah, and the feedback has been pretty positive though, even with all the damage and everything. Um, they like that we did put the these films up. These films are on the rare side, mm-hmm. so it it but it worked out. It really did. But that that's another thing I wanted to add. You know, James talked about you know learning the shipping and the growing pains. I think we really learned about more, still learning more about restoration and you know, calling different film elements and, you know, doing the best, best we can be with all the different restorations. It's, that's a growing process as well. And we're, we're getting some new tech in, we're getting, you know, some other new stuff to work on as well. And I think it'll, it'll really come together within the next couple of years. Well, you guys are, are in, I, as far as I know, like a rare position where you guys can actually do the restorations yourself, right? I mean, do most companies mm. farm this stuff out? Other than, I mean, I guess no. would, I would assume other than like Criterion, but I'm I'm not sure of that side of the business. Um, well, it all depends too. I mean, we're we're really unique in that we we have a film archive, we have the film scanner here, we have the restoration tools here, and we can re-release the films from here. Basically, where which is a really rare thing where you have all those together. Um, a lot of companies, they, they have to send out to get them restored, at, you know, these major companies or, um, you know, a good example, you mentioned, you did mention Criterion. Yes, they do their own restoration, but if they're getting a film from Europe who it's going to be scanned in Europe, they're probably going to have the restoration done in Europe as well. It just makes sense. And if you want to hear a horror story, oh, yeah. <laughs> some people, what they do, I'm not going to mention anybody's names. Because uh, I'm a nice person. <laughs> but some people, they get their restoration jobs done in India. And what they do is they get like 100 people in a room and they chop up where each person gets like a minute. And then they spend every they get to spend a whole day on that one minute. And then at the end of the day, they all put the film together and the film's done in a day. And But they get paid like, you know. Five dollars or something. We have no yeah, idea what they get paid, but it's know. probably it's, not very good. Yeah. But Trump's going to fix all that. I don't know. We're going to stay away from that. But, (laughs) whoa, whoa. Say that vinegar syndrome Uh, is America. 100%. All restorations and scans made in America. Unless we have to get European films and that, you know, we'll do that. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) 
I'm, I mean, no, I'm assuming no. that's the case with a lot of them. I mean, I'm sure there's other there's certain films that you, I guess, would license. Even if you license them out, do you guys try to get the negatives and do all yeah, that yourself? Yeah, as much as or? possible. As much as possible, we'd we'd want to get the negatives. Yeah. you know, here and everything, and sometimes that's just not possible. Like if we if we get these, you, uh, if we do get a European film and we'll want to have it fully restored and everything, we might not be able be able to get it shipped across to here. But we might be able to control which lab it goes to and say, okay, this is a really good lab. They, they have very similar, you know, it, it'll come out, come out similar to how we would do it. So, you know, this is the one to use, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It hasn't, we, we don't really have like too many European films in the pipeline, but, you know, just as saying as a hypothetical, that's what happens. But we've been very lucky with getting our elements uh, to us and, you know, directors and rights holders, they've been very forthcoming and very, you know, we've been really good with the material and showing what we do with it and keeping it clean and getting it back to them as soon as possible as well. You know, when necessary, we will work on under time crunches to get it scanned in time and get it back out. So it all depends on the project, though. Cool. Now, beside... um how we spoke about Undertaker and Candy Tangerine Man. Is there anything else that was, uh, like maybe for you, Brandon, that was just really fucking difficult to get through? Um, as far as maybe the elements were fucked up or anything um, like that. I imagine since James left. Well, the the thing about Brandon, he's a workaholic, and sometimes Brandon gets here at like seven, and then he stays here till like eleven. So it's kind of hard to like reference what is hard and what is not like if i did brandon's job i would be i would be like yeah that's i'm really hard all the time but i'm like I'm a lazy bastard <laughs> but uh yeah brandon does a lot of things that without him we wouldn't be able to get through the day so the backbone of vinegar syndrome more often than not is brandon <laughs> but yeah there are a lot of jobs we do where like suddenly the reel will be fucked up and we're like oh shit and we'll have to you know, backspin and, you know, take a different route. But Brandon does a lot of that stuff. I mean, one challenging one for me, I think, was Taboo. Taboo 1, because that was another one where all that's available for the first one were, were prints. And Taboo 2 and 3, really, as well. And so, you know, when you're working with prints, it's a little bit more difficult because even if it's, you know, lab new prints, they still will have some sort of damage on them. Versus when you get the negatives or the even like inner positives, inner negatives, stuff like that, uh, there's usually a lot less damage. But for this, um, no, it came out really good. Now, going forward, I, I won't m- mention the titles, but we are going to be uh, scanning these films, which I don't know if they'll come out this year or maybe next year sometime, but uh, they're very vinegared. <laughs> So that's always a big challenge too, because you never know what they're going to look like. We've had vinegared films, you know, brought in where we scan them and they still look good, but they're just they're eventually just dying out. So it's that's another big challenge when we get film in that we know is going to be starting to rot, and you just don't know how big the damage is going to be. So it's like a triage. Sometimes we'll find a film that needs to be scanned tomorrow because of its condition. Even if it's a film we know we're not probably going to release for a, a while. Sometimes for years. <laughs> yeah. But 
but no, I, I, for this year, for 2016, we had, we did have the few challenges. It was that, and a lot of people don't realize this, but Jack Frost was from a print, but that was like a, like a brand new, never played low con print. And it just looked phenomenal. You know, it was funny. Some we had to do, we had to get a surround system because Jack Frost is in surround sound. Oh yeah. So we had to, so we had to <laughs> buy that, set it up that day. And yeah, yeah, it was, that was a weird day. We do have an, we have a, um, another one. Well, it was already, it was already met, I think mentioned publicly uh, slaughterhouse. That's going to have surround sound as well. Oh, nice. Yep. No, we, we had, uh, briefly mentioned, I believe, I think recently, uh, that you guys did the, uh, restoration for, uh, for the witch who came from the sea that arrow released. Yeah, yep. I, I, re- I restored that. Brandon scanned it. I restored that film. Yep. The, um, I don't know if we've yep. talked about that on the show before, but I thought that was. Uh, I mean, it was. It was funny because I could tell when I was watching it. I was like, "This looks like a vinegar syndrome <laughs> release." <laughs> yeah. Who messed this crap up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we we uh we do a lot of scan jobs for other companies. We do a scan lot of jobs. It sounds kind of hot. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, the, the <laughs> scanner can get hot when it's. We do a lot of scan jobs for other companies, and we just recently put that part up on our site. Kind of. Yeah, we we have a we had a section website on vinegarsyndrome.com, and it's called Lab Work. And the stuff that's on there, we had something to do with the release, whether maybe not necessarily scanning the whole film, but maybe scanning a part of it, like. A good example: of The Hills Have Eyes. We didn't do the we didn't do the main feature, but we did the the scan of the ending and the uh, the del- the outtakes, the deleted scenes. So even stuff like that, we we kind of included it just because like a show like the lab work that we also do as well. Yeah, scan Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go a bit. I, I, just kind of boiling down, you know, the companies like you guys and everything. Like everyone's really in it for the film. You know what I mean? And that's. Yeah, it, it's. I think I thought this was really cool, and I when I uh, found out that you guys had done that or had been doing stuff like this. So, yeah, I like the part with the muscle muscle guys on the beach. For which one? <laughs> oh, which one? Okay, like, with, like the purple speedo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Brad, Brad, you really you like that scene a lot, right? That was my. That's probably my all time favorite. You can forget Nightmare Sisters. <laughs> we can talk about Arrow's release of the Witch Who Came from the Sea. Yeah, I still have, I still haven't actually set. I have they, we got the copies of them. They like they they gave us they gave us copies of them as well, and I I still haven't sat down to watch them. But I've um, heard great things about them. Well, it sounds like you're fucking busy anyway. So I know. You ever see, you ever see uh, Shockwaves? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon restored Shockwaves. That was like I and apologies. That was the case where that's all again the only material they had. For like the the print because that that even <laughs> even restore that it's pretty beat up but well if it makes okay. you feel any better I think I didn't know that but that um, made my like top ten Blu-ray releases of that year that when it came out oh thank oh it's cool it's fa- awesome one of my favorite <laughs> releases yeah it's one of my favorite yeah. movies too so yeah. I'm a fan as well yeah um, a, a, another one I haven't sat down and watched. <laughs> You you restored it. I know. <laughs> well, you've kind of seen them. I mean, yeah, kind of without think, yeah. sound or anything. Now, does that yeah. now restoring them from both of you? I mean, everybody that's in the company, uh, of course, you know, you guys do some 
whoever does your, you know, your, uh, your QC work obviously is great because you never have any issues, but how, like, you watch the film probably prior, some of you, but like, how, but I mean, how anxious are you to watch a film that you've kind of watched for the past, like, you know, few weeks, but not actually watch the film, you just go frame by frame, like, I mean, you so can't. There's only there's only four of us, dude. We, so we do the restoration and the QC. We do all the QC too. So most of these films we'll watch like maybe like five or six times <laughs> in various forms. And like some of them I watched so many times that I'm surprised I'm sane anymore. But we also watch them on different uh, different uh, players, and like yeah. we watch, we test it on the you know PlayStation. We test it on. One Blu-ray player, we tested on another one. And if we have, if it has an alternate cut, so, okay, <laughs> if it's like a Blu-ray and alternate cut, we have to watch each cut both times and then repeat that, and then we have to do it again for the other disc. And that's that's after we pre-QC it. We pre-QC the file after uh, we color yeah, we have to, it and pre-QC yeah, and we put do. the sound on we it. We watch these movies a lot, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so leading but, up to my um, next question, is there anything that you absolutely hate? <laughs> um, bigotry. <laughs> no, not hate, but something that racism, just, bigotry, all that. You're just yeah. like Jesus, fucking Christ. Because I honestly, I don't think I could ever watch five seconds of Death Row Game Show ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to watch because there's a there's an alternate cut of Death Row Game Show, uh, and there's yeah, like a lot watch, of special features on it. I probably watched that like eight. <laughs> Times, man, like I don't know, you just do it. It's fucking. Yeah, it's gotta, hate. I, lo- I, I There's no fucking movie. way. I don't know. That's you gotta get it done. But how how like anxious are we to watch them again? Like, I'd say uh, moderate to low. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have a need to watch really much Tobolina films anymore again. But I, that's just me. That's we okay. know sometimes what it, like, when you're doing a sex film and you like watch it five or six times. Sometimes the hard part is like, sometimes when it's just sex and no acting or dialogue. Well, not acting, no, no, uh. Right. No, no, no story plot. or anything like that. That that can get like tedious and it starts to feel really slow <laughs> when it's 85 minutes of just like a repeated motion sometimes. And that, that gets a little tedious sometimes. But then you get like the really entertaining stuff like Sex World, Candy, and Taboo even, and it just goes fairly quickly yeah. even as films as they're a little bit longer but uh i liked hangs upon nothing that oh yeah the film film that yeah, we put yeah, out. yeah but that's that, your that's, most contemporary release right yeah yeah, yeah our, our friend made that so we put it out but it was like it was cool to just sit down and watch people surfing and listening to really nice music yeah well, we, change the pace. We, also wanted, we also wanted to put it out just because it was like this great i feel it's like this really great you know art house film and he shot that and on in, 16, right? Yeah, he shot it all on 16 on a 19... He shot it over the last, like, seven years, but he shot it on a 1967 Bolex uh, Super 16 camera. And he built yeah. gear, like a box, like a yeah. specific box to hold it while he was surfing on a surfboard so he could, like, be underwater with a 50-year-old camera wow. in <laughs> Indonesia. Jeez. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah. But now that one... Uh, like we we did have it available on uh, for uh, the Friday sale for the Black Friday sale, 
might be available in the upcoming sales as well. But for now, you guys can get it on Amazon. Okay. Cool. Now, you mentioned, uh, I guess you're not a Tobolina fan. Because <laughs> you had uh, to watch... Picard, Vinegar Syndrome are all Tobolina fans. But me personally... But it's a love-hate relationship sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because of that in- infrasexum movie? Because I guess no, that I, would... That's the one I that I that. wasn't a fan of. Oh, okay, so oh, you're I a like, fan of that one. I, I like, you're like not that. a fan when he screams, You freaking bitch! No, that's questionable. <laughs> I know, but like general Tobolina dialogue. dialogue it's like just amazing sometimes. Yeah. No, but I my fa- I really liked it for sex. I really liked Flesh and Bullets. But it um You frigid bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of them like I think I think it was Marilyn the Senator, like there was like QC issue or something. I had to watch that one like four or five no, times. No, we both did because we both got a check dicks dicks wow, check dicks. Check dicks. <laughs> That had a problem like three minutes from the ending. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a two-hour film. Yeah, it's his longest we, film. Yeah, it's, it's re- so fucking long. I don't know. Queef is pretty cool though, man. Oh queep, god, Queef, little Queef, little Queef is his like William Bill Margold's like assistant in it, and uh, it's just, <laughs> I, I just I just can't watch it again. <laughs> but to each their own. <laughs> hey, that's the that's the film that I uh, got drunk and reviewed. Oh yeah, so, that's right. Oh man, yeah. that was the only way possible through Maryland and the senator because it was fucking two hours long. We need more of those, by the way, from you, Brad. Oh no, that was that was, that was a bad night. Uh, <laughs> I like I I can't really remember. I remember like the the twist because it's so bizarre because it becomes like super fucking serious and it's like oh this is some like fucking crime drama. That's but the then, best one too. Well, I, think there's a lot I was going to things about that the film. One of the one of the interesting things about that film, Margold talks about, is how the the chick didn't know what she was doing with BDSM stuff. So when she's hitting him, like she's really hitting him, <laughs> and he said it was scary because he couldn't, he didn't know what to do because he was like bleeding and it hurt a lot because she had no idea what she was doing, but he didn't want to mess the take up. And one one cool thing, really cool thing about Tobolina is if. If he did get like the money and stuff, he would go and shoot at the locations. Like he did shoot in Washington D.C. for Maryland the Senator. He shot at Watergate Hotel, and you know he shot at like a state uh, a football game or baseball game or something for I forget what it was, but he shot at a stadium for like two minutes. Yeah, then, maybe. Yeah. But then in Jungle Blue, you know, which, Jungle Blue is him and his friends went to South America and just like threw some shit together. I think, but it's so great. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Jungle Blue, yeah, because you get to watch a monkey or a gorilla fuck a, a girl. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I was going to say, Marilyn and the Senator, my favorite part is when a Bill eats that fucking, like, chicken while he's yeah, getting a blowjob. Oh, yeah, that was, that was weird. That was weird. But, but not even a fucking, like, a turkey leg or a chicken chicken leg. It's a, like literally a whole, a whole fucking chicken. <laughs> yeah. Like, Sean, have you seen it? <laughs> no, I have not. Oh, to this! I almost need to see it just for that, though. I'll maybe I'll, I'll cut it up. I'll make like a three-minute edit. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah. I make I'll make James' director's cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Fan, the fan edit. Yeah, the fan edit. So uh, you guys have announced the January um, package here. We got you know, don't answer the phone, um, mm-hmm. Blood Mania, and uh, Point of Terror double feature, and Taboo yep. Four. 
Blue Money, yeah, yeah. and beyond, sh- and a place beyond shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Seika, who's just gorgeous. <laughs> oh yeah, I concur. Um, <laughs> have you guys announced anything else for 2017, or is that are you guys just kind of doing it? Uh, how are you heading to handle those announcements? I know we've, we've announced a couple. Um, let's see, we we did announce Slaughterhouse. Yes. That's going to be making its U.S. debut. Uh, Babyface, which that one, that was a film where we were, it's Alex, it's an Alex Dorenzi film. He directed, uh, you know, the, um, Sex World. Yes, Sex World. No, not, not Sex World. Um, oh, not. Oh, wow, I'm having a brain fart from the, but he directed like Weed and Pretty Peaches. Pretty Peaches, yes, thank you. Pretty Peaches Jesus. trilogy. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> I, I do get him and Spinelli, you know. Yeah. I, I just I, I retract my sex world statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. No, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but uh, for Babyface, that was one we've we've had the sequel. We're going to put out the sequel, Babyface two, as well. Maybe if you're good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Babyface one uh, was one where we were searching for elements forever, and no one was found. Like no one knew where they were, but we finally found. You know. A, Pretty good print, and so yeah, that's going to be making its Blu-ray debut. Uh, Slaughterhouse is a new scan from the IP. It's got you know all the extras from '88 films. Got all the uh, the extras from the old DVD as well, and uh, a couple new ones, new extras as well. So it's kind of this all-inclusive package. Uh, we did announce one other one too, uh, Witch Trap, which. Yes. That's the other, uh, the next, the next Linnea Quigley film coming out, and that one it's going to be cool because we're we're doing this like super uncut version where we got the we we put a post up about it on uh, I think that was the fan page or something like that where we were we were asking you know is one of these gore scenes in the regular cut so we we didn't honestly know and it turns out it wasn't and the director he, he gave us also his personal print which does have. You know about a minute of additional gore footage and you know uncut stuff. So yeah, that that one's going to be a good one. I'm trying to see yeah, what other. Yeah, I think the only that was only released like on Blu-ray. I think in Germany or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's and I I have that and yeah, it's it's not the goriest. I I didn't know there was a gorier version of it. That's like Kevin yep. Tenney, right? Yeah, Kevin. Yep, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm excited about yes. Taboo Four because of the oh. the comment you said about uh, Karen Karen Summer, right? Or the oh, special well, features. Yeah, we got new interviews with both Karen Summer and Ginger Lynn, and both of them are kind of up there with my my favorite interviews we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, Ginger Lynn's awesome. Oh my! God. But yeah, and Karen Summer's great too. Which she was, uh, I guess she she got her start. She was a, a double for um, on uh, Dukes of Hazard. Nice. The original TV show for uh, yeah she just she was like the the double like a stunt double <laughs> no for like um at a shoot like from the back or stuff if like Daisy, I guess if Daisy Duke wasn't there nice. <laughs> so, yeah stuff like that she does, yeah she does she does have an amazing body yeah so but no those yeah and it was great to hear Ginger Lynn she and she reminisces about like working with Jamie and working with. You know John Leslie and all these people on in the cast and just working back then and the making of Taboo Four and 
you know, <laughs> how weird it was to do a film with that subject matter. And, but no, it's, it's a, it's a really good one. Now are any of the, um, have you, how many times have you tried to reach out to some of the male, uh, talent in, um, in these? Cause I mean, like John Leslie, he's, he's still alive, obviously. He's actually, no, he's passed away. John Leslie oh, passed away. Really? Yep. When? Yep, he passed away. Uh, it was, it was last year, year before. He, uh, a couple, a couple oh. years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, two, three years ago. Man, he, was, it, it, he was making porn up till the very, very end. Yeah. And, yep. Um, we all, we talk to everybody we can, but you know, a lot of people. Some of them are still in the industry and they're still working. Like sometimes they want to help out, other times they're just kind of too busy. Um, a, a good one who we have interviewed, uh, but he's very camera shy, which is fine too. You know, um, hey, we'll, we'll do we'll do a couple big audio interviews with him or something. But with, one of my favorites, just because he's so like kind of different, was Joey Silvera from yeah. back then. And, you know, he was a good one to interview. Um, but, yeah, we're reaching out to do more interviews. We we interviewed um, was it, uh, Blake Palmer on yeah, Blake, Blake Palmer on Taboo 2 and 3. So we're hoping to do a few more as well. Hmm. Very nice. Anything else, Sean, you have? Any other questions about pornographic material? <laughs> no, no, not about pornographic material, but uh, – um, you, now the don't answer the phone release was really, when was that released on, uh, was it Scorpion or was it code red, Brad? Was it, uh, no, it was, uh, Scorpion. 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 Yeah, Scorpion. Was, it two, yep. was it two years ago? It was Somewhere one of those things. There. Yeah. It was but, one of those things where it was included kind of as part of our crown, uh, crown international deal. Uh-huh. And <coughs> excuse me. Um, we we got the chance, you know, is this something you guys would want to do? And, you know, our co-owners of the company, they said yes. So it's it's one of those ones where we did it said, okay, let's let's just go all out on it. And we yeah. did a new 4K on the negative. We we found um the director's commentary. We added that, which I don't think is on the previous one. We added an isolated score as well. So we, we kind of we want to make it where oh we, it's going to have a new booklet essay as well on the making of it and just kind of a, a little bit all inclusive on it and you know we and hey if you want to buy the scorpion one that's fine too we just we we're having just I guess our option out there I guess is the the word it was it was it was included as part of the deal so we're yeah. like okay we'll we'll just we'll just release it well it, it happens now and then I've I've seen it happen now and then with <laughs> the certain companies. Um, Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine that that makes the most sense, you know. Yeah, but I'm, you're I'm, proud of me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, that's one of that's on my list of shame. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm excited to finally check it out. It's a son of a bitch. It's a nar. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a <laughs> well. I mean, Nicholas Worth. I'm a huge fan he of him. Every, yeah, he did everything. So I mean, I mean <clears throat> hell comes so, to Frogtown and <laughs> something. Heck yeah, yeah he's yeah. great. I mean he's he you know he's one of those guys that would show up in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, so did you have, can you? Uh, I was just going to ask. I mean, obviously you can't say the titles, but did you do a huge package deal with Crown International because they have? I mean, of course they have a lot of shit. And um, oh yeah, you we know, did most a package the- deal with Crown. Yes, we did. We didn't do uh, a small one. We didn't do. 
the biggest one in the world, but we did a package deal with Crown. Yeah, cool. But that that being said, we got a couple that I I think have not been released on. They've only been released on DVD, if that, or yeah, on like probably yeah, yeah, like really low low grade DVDs stuff like that. Um, we do have some higher end stuff coming out later in the year as well. Um, let's see. I do have our schedule up here. <laughs> Any uh, exclusives that you can give us? <laughs> exclusives. Just something, uh, something that you know is going to happen for sure. For sure? Yeah, no, just something that, you know, that hasn't been announced yet, but it's safe to say it where you guys won't get in trouble or anything like that. No? Did no? um, <laughs> James just say no? <laughs> no, I'm done. Oh, you're, po- oh. you're trying to decide which, which one? Oh yeah, we this one was announced. That's this is going to be later in the year, but we are uh, we're very excited. We're going to be doing Psychos in Love, which is already, coincidentally not a knows, crown. I already know that one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're bad. You do everything. No, I don't. That's why I want an exclusive. I want to get a little bit of a bonus. Whatever happened. Um, no, but uh, Psychos in Love. I'm I'm, I'm looking at one. Some of them were. I think they're too early to mention. <laughs> um, nice. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Let's see. So d- during the QC checks, do you guys ever do boner checks? <laughs> like when you guys are watching and just tap each other's like front pants just to see what's happening down there? Uh, no, Brad, we're professionals. We yeah, that would that. probably be under the line of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, sexual Shut up, harassment. Sean. Shut up, Sean. Her- actually, yeah, I was too busy restoring film to do that. Sorry. <laughs> Take it a little seriously, please. <laughs> Has uh, there ever been that's... one that you that you almost had to take a quick little uh, little break? No. You know, that's Brad. That's, uh, that is, I think, the third time you've made that joke. Or no, fourth time. So this could be the fifth, fourth time too many? Fifth time too many you made that joke? <laughs> I'm making a note. Uh, Brad never make the uh, jerk break joke again. Brad and I, Brad uh, and I like each other a lot. We, oh, Brad checks. and I were hanging out in Florida a little while ago. <laughs> I probably and, made uh, that joke while you were here. The Empire he made that joke a couple times. So, a fun, funny story about the four times too many. Last time Vinegar Syndrome was on the show, I said later on after the episode <laughs> that this is their third time on, and I said. Three times too many. Yeah, so then I, to another person I've never met. So thanks, man. After, <laughs> so after the episode airs, I just get a random message from James, not saying anything other than three times too many. And then I respond back like, ha, ha, ha. And then he just says it again. And each time I try to change the subject, wow. he just says three times too many. Yeah, it was like a month I did that, right? <laughs> James and I didn't talk for at least a month. Well, I tried talking. <laughs> that hurt me, dude. <laughs> Cut me to the bone. But it's all right. He, he made up for it. Now we're, now we're good friends again. Awesome. You're welcome. Well, guys, I'm uh, I'm super excited about 2017 for sure. I uh, can't wait to uh, see what else you guys are, are releasing. And uh, I will be... Uh, hopefully, popping some more boners throughout the year, mm. as well awesome. as Brad. Boner, inter- <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, I may be boner giving myself show. some boner check. Wait, never yes! mind. That doesn't work. 
Yeah. You can boner check yourself. Well, you can. It's but just so you awkward. not know that you have a boner. Oh, I, I always know I have a boner. It sneaks never, up on you. I've never had one sneak up on me. Do you get one when you're running and you're like marathons? That you <laughs> I, I've 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 weirdly gotten one on the way to the gym before and had to like sit in my car and wait till it kind of calmed down before I went in. Because going no, into the gym, you with get up and you just weird. show people. You're like, yes, look at this. Are you gonna start doing Iron Man stuff or like you know decathlons? No, I don't have that. I don't. I'm not. I don't don't have that kind of discipline. I believe in you, dude. You should try it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But what if I did what and made sure I had a boner all the way through? That would that be would awesome. be interesting. That would be that would be a challenge I may accept. I dare you I to walk would, around with I a boner. I feel like it would hurt. It's oh, gotta Sean, be, it's uh, got to be Guinness Book of World Records material. You know what? You want an exclusive? You want an exclusive? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the beginning of April, Brandon is going to be at Monster Palooza. Oh. Uh, in California. Oh. <laughs> So if you're in California, come see Brandon at Monster Palooza and go say hi to him at our table. Yeah, I may have to show up and uh, you say that. Don't bring your boner. To you. That will not bring my boner, and I will. I'll not. be at Spinnable Wasteland, in Ohio, and if you're really a fan oh. of film, you'll be there. <laughs> oh yes, you could be wherever. It's fine. When is, when is that again? April. It's April seventh. Yeah. Oh, God. Which right. if. If anyone is listening, Cinema Wasteland's kind of like the ultimate party just of this world. And the grindhouse party. Yeah. And they, they bring out, you know, the sixteen millimeter reels and just start playing movies until through midnight and everyone's partying and every they got the vendor room and it's it's just awesome. And then this year well this six it's every six months, but this one is the fiftieth reunion of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, and it's it's just one of those awesome places to just enjoy yourself and enjoy yeah. the community you're with. But we've never been to Montsapalooza in California before, so go there and see Brandon. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. Well, um, we got to wrap this up because I have to get back to mm. work. Wrap it up. And go back to work. Freaking work. <laughs> um, what was I to say? How, wrapping things up was never my strong suit. All right. Uh, it's okay. Is that yeah. why you have kids? Hi <laughs> 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 right, guys. Oh, they, they... oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, all right, uh, gentlemen, thank you for uh for chatting with us about uh, about everything. Uh like I said, 2017 is going to be pretty awesome. Um yeah. any closing thoughts before before you guys head out? No, just a big thank you for having us on. Thank you to the fans out there who are listening to this and, you know, want to check us out. It's just vinegarsyndrome.com. And, yeah, just uh, let us know what you think. And uh, thank you, Brad and Sean. And keep film alive by uh, purchasing. <laughs> and boners. And preser- <laughs> preservation alive by helping films. And helping companies like Severin and Synapse and Arrow and hopefully us too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, film needs help. So go help film by getting into it and preserving film with us.
right, we are keeping this pack show going. Uh, still talking about vinegar syndrome, and uh, had a lot of fun talking to James and Brandon uh, about what everything that they've been doing and and the little bit of tidbits of information we can squeeze out of them. Man, they were uh, <laughs> they weren't going like, to give us any exclusives this time around. Did they? I thought they did. No, man. No? No. You were asking and asking. They didn't give you shit. I should ruin it. I should just fucking ruin it right now and tell them their (laughs) fucking 2017 catalog because I know that fucking shit. (laughs) You were trying so hard, man. uh, I'm so excited. But but believe us when we say uh, this is going to be a damn good year for Vinegar Syndrome. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited. uh, Good stuff. Good stuff is coming. All right. So their most recent package, like this time around, like, um, I feel like, did they, did they have a December package or was it just a, a handful of releases this time around? Cause, um, cause I know that they had the two, uh, the three movies that were basically for, you know, uh, Black Friday, the kind of special editions. Well, no, I think the, um, I think I don't remember if they had people pre-buy the December or not. No, I think the December package is Death Machines, the Alec Dorenzi documentaries, Taboo 2 and 3, and then the Picarama. Okay. All Sins of Sodom and Jack Frost and Undertaker were all, uh, exclusives. Nice. So we're going to talk about all those, um... I mean, I, I love the idea of a special Black Friday thing to buy. Um, it's, it's fun. It, it keeps things exciting. And, uh, there were damn interesting choices that they had basically kept quiet on pretty much the whole year until they'd made that announcement. So let's talk about the three Black Friday things first. We've already kind of sort of mentioned them a little bit. Um, but we've actually, you know, watch them and everything. And I wanted to start with um, The Undertaker because this one was such an interesting choice for them. Um, and, of course, their little coffin-shaped freaking slipcover is badass. But this was, uh, you know, a Joe... Was it Joe Spinelli's last film? Just Joe, Joe, Spinelli. Joe Spinelli's... Yeah, was it his last film? Uh, no, I don't think it was the last film. His last film was, uh, his last film was, I think, called Revenge. Okay. It was supposed to be, like, this, like, kind of sequel to Maniac. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge, like, I don't know a lot about Joe Spinell. I just know, like, you know, he's in fucking Maniac and, you know, uh, in, like, the Rocky movies and shit like that. But um, such a, like a greasy like. I know it's towards the end of his career, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, he's such an interesting actor because I mean, in Maniac, you just like I've said before, man, you just almost you know you feel like that grime from that movie has somehow made its way from the the TV onto you. Like Joe Benell is like he just seems like he comes across as so real. In a sense, you know what I mean. Like, like this is some weird dude that you could possibly really know. Um, in the Undertaker, he plays this, you know, Undertaker that um, is obviously a little bit off his rocker, and uh, he has a a couple people or kind of find out some of the weird things that he's he's been doing. Um, some murders have taken place in in the town, and um, 
and you know, the the local police are investigating like what's going on with these and and you know everything else kind of goes from there and like this isn't like like what I like about the undertaker is the fact that it's um it's almost like a collection of scenes in over with with this overall theme like it doesn't feel like there's a beginning middle and end per se like with like you know standard uh like a standard horror film, like there's so much going on and so many characters kind of come and go through the film. And like someone will come in, I'm like, oh, well, maybe this is going to be the main character through the rest of the movie. Nope, you know, they're gone. And that happens like over and over with some of these characters. Um, where, like, I don't know anything about where this movie came from. Like, where, you know, where's this film been? Like, what's kind of the, um, the history of it? Like, how did, and then how did you, uh, how'd you get, your name mentioned in the liner notes, man. Oh, I got it. It was in the special thanks section. Special thanks. Because basically, thanks. I made I made it happen. <laughs> no big deal. Um, so basically, the the story of the Undertaker is that um, it was made, and then of course, uh, it uh, did a theater run, and then it never really made it to VHS. Um, it got a, a shoddy cut up DVD release by Code Red. Um, and then that's it. So basically, the first release it had was the DVD, and the movie is like only like fifty minutes or some shit. The cut up version must have made no sense, man, because <laughs> the, the, the scenes that were added was like the last. I mean, they had to splice in VHS um, work yeah. and stuff, but like, like that's a big chunk of the end of the movie. You know, like I was like, oh, maybe some yeah. splices here and there. No, like the whole ending is basically VHS work print. <laughs> so, um, my involvement in it—it's um, a kind of a long story. So I'll try to make it as interesting as possible. So, as you know, I'm like a vinegar syndrome fanboy, and uh, I was just helping out with like certain things behind the scenes. And um, since this was Brandon's baby, he was just speaking to me and we were just talking in passing. And then he mentioned that they were looking for uh, the editor of the film, um, uh, Larry Marinelli. And I said, you know, for an interview or something? And he said, yeah. So I was like, okay. And he's like, we think he's dead. You know, we've searched for, you know, this period of time and came up short. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot, you know? And he's like, okay, cool. So that night I'm like, all right, I'm going to find this motherfucker. So like I do my little internet searching tricks and stuff like that. And I, you'd be surprised how many people are named Lorenzo Marinelli or Larry Marinelli as well. A butt ton, actually. That's a very common name. Um, so I started, I got a, a long, long, like 10 pages of names and phone numbers. And I started cold calling every single one of these Man, people. You're one of the bastards. It was fucking tough. Oh, I've done cold calling. Because number one, I mean, we're not, I'm, people aren't answering, people are answering, and then like, oh, just hanging up. And it's like, man, what if that was that person? So like, I'm like, two days given phone calls and then just one day, like I'm actually coming home from work and I had some numbers saved in my phone. So I'm like driving and I'm like calling and, um, I get this one lady. I'm like, Hey, it's like, 
you know, my name's Brad Henderson. I'm working with this company, you know, Vinegar Syndrome. Um, you know, we're trying to track down the old editor in Hollywood, Larry Marinelli. She's like, ha! You know, it's like, uh, like, uh, would your husband happen to be an editor? She's like, oh, yeah, he's done some stuff. And I was like, okay, like, like movies? And she's like, yeah, some movies, some commercials. And I was like, like horror movies? And she's like, yeah, I guess so you could say that. And I was like, do you know who Tom Sabini is? And she's like, oh, yeah, Tom's like an old good friend. And I'm like, you got to be fucking <laughs> kidding me. And this is the fucking family. Like, this is his wife I'm talking to. And it's like, is Larry still alive? She's like, yeah, he's at the store right now. I'll have him give you a call back. And so, like, I'm waiting, like, by my phone. I get this fucking cult, uh, phone call. This dude's got to be, like, fucking 70 years old. Like, I'm screaming into the phone for him to hear me and, like, tell him, like, what Blu-ray is and, like, you know, uh, Vinegar Syndrome's, like, a legit company. And basically what is wrong is that we have the negative, but it's missing footage. And he's like, oh, that sucks. And it's like, hey, man, like, since you're the editor, do you happen to have the one-inch tape? And so where all this stems from is that since the negative was destroyed, and that's it, the only thing that was available was that the master copy of the tape. So if they could get the master copy, which would be the best quality, that's what they wanted to do. So... Larry has to search through these boxes and through his son's stuff, searching through all his old equipment, searching through all these old master tapes he has. Uh, takes like, dude, we're like talking about two, three weeks. Like I'm calling him like every other day, just chatting on the phone, basically become best friends with Larry Marinelli and like, you know, just chatting about like movies and shit like that. And like he's trying to find this tape and then he just can't find it. So we're like, fuck. So I call Brandon. I'm like, dude, he doesn't have it, man. He's like, fuck. He's like, the only thing that we know that there was is that the master tape, someone made copies or someone made a copy from that master tape. And that's where the bootlegs stem from uh, for the release of the film. Huh. So like I said, the film's never really been released on VHS other than bootlegs. So... Uh, we knew they existed, obviously, because I have seen the movie in its entirety beforehand, and I saw bootleg VHS uh, copy, but via the internet. And they didn't want to use that because it's super pixelated. They wanted like an original source, like original tape, something that doesn't have yeah. digital. Not a, not, yeah, not a copy of a copy of a copy, yeah. but one of those original tapes. So it's like, all right. Let me handle this part, too, because I know a bunch of fucking collectors. Let me just call people. So the very first person I call is Zach Carlson. I'm like, Zach, I was like, you got The Undertaker, right? And he's like, dude, he's like, I wish. He's like, you're, that's that tape's like solid gold, dude. You're not going to find it. And I'm like, fuck. So he, like, gives me, like, a long list of, like, his best, like, friends of, like, VHS collecting. And so, like, you know, dude, we're getting out of the wire. Because the Black Friday sales, like, are right around the corner. They need to have this shit done. Like, we're talking about three, four weeks away from Black Friday. Um, Like, or they're just going to have to release this fucking movie, like, with these, like, missing scenes, basically. I guess that was their overall plan. We never got that far because I was, like, just 
calling all these people. So I call Zach Carlson. I call basically some other VHS friends, uh, collectors. And I just, I call Brandon back. I'm like, dude, no one has this fucking tape. So I'm on the internet one day. I'm talking to my buddy, Josh Johnson and telling him about the story about like, I'm having trouble. And he's like, have you checked with Bruce Holchek? And I was like, fuck no, I have not checked with Bruce Holchek. So I contact Bruce Holchek and he's like, dude, he's like, good luck. He's like, you're not going to find that shit. But you might want to check with my buddy, Art Edinger. And I was like, fuck, I know Art Edinger. So uh, we get in contact with Art Edinger. Guess who has one of the fucking bootlegs? Fucking Art Edinger. Oh, shit, Art. I was like, dude, you have to fucking airmail this shit <laughs> to fucking Brandon, like, now. Uh, give the tape to Brandon. There's your Undertaker movie. Damn. It was like literally probably five weeks of phone conversations and searching. Like we thought we had it when we found Larry Marinelli, but we fucking didn't. And then I'm like searching for a tape. Like it was, it was insane. Like, I, I mean, it's literally just like not like <laughs> fucking Tom Cruise movie where I'm running and running and running and trying to have this shit happen. So it's like just me sitting at home, just like fucking calling people, but like, it's insane. Like it, 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 it took forever. And you know, that time crunch, we just made it just in time. And Brandon was able to pull that footage and give the undertaker a release that, uh, you know, it, it deserved, um, you know, cause it's never been seen before. So that's the whole story behind the, Undertaker. Um, wow. You know, I may have fabricated just a tiny bit, but, you know, it's pretty much the truth. Um, <laughs> I'm trying but, to snap a picture of of their uh, the screen that they put before the movie, but I guess I deleted it. I suck. Oh. But, um, you know, it was... Did it was, they say it was, they used a, uh, just a VHS source? Did they say they used a, did they say they used a master? Uh, well, it's not a master. It's a it's a bootleg. Like that literally is a bootleg tape they used, um, but it is a copy of the master tape because that's the only way of to. There's only way to get it. Uh, who knows where that master tape is? Um, we couldn't find it. Yeah. So if anybody's going to have it, it's probably going to be the editor um, or the producer, and um, no one no one had it. Nice. Well, I mean, the movie as an oddity is awesome. Uh, there's this good 10 to 15 minutes where one of our blonde characters is rocking some acid wash mom jeans just hiked up past her belly button and wearing a cut off <laughs> t-shirt. It's glorious. I, 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 I like the movie. It's, it's really goofy. It's really funny. Um, it's so it, weird. Like he, ma- he makes these weird, just the way he kind of like, yeah, it's just Joe's his head. It's just Joe Spinell. Like he's having a good time. You know, it, it's like the, by far my favorite sequence is with, uh, the detectives when he's, uh, killing them off, you know, and he, he they're in the, they're in the under, uh, the mortuary with him. It's just very comical. It's very silly. Um, you know, I know you, uh, like text me when the biker like picks up the girl, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it's just an all around funny movie. It's not scary. It's not, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's just as it has some good gore. It has some, you know, great little sequences. Joe Spinell's really charming. 
Like he's not even scary at all. It's just like, man, this guy's just so fucking funny. But it's just, it's just a fun little movie, you know. So it was, it was actually nice to see because, you know, like I said, I saw bootlegs of a bootleg of a bootleg, and I basically I didn't see anything because the movie's dark, you know, a lot of times. So it was really hard to see. So it was nice to see the clarity. I mean, the the stuff restored from the original 35 millimeter camera negative looks fantastic. Um, the the I mean the VHS stuff is the VHS stuff is VHS stuff. There's no sugarcoating it at all. I mean, it's it's VHS, you know. But I mean, but what I like what I said earlier was like what with all that missing, I I feel like the end would have been a complete mess. I would hate to see that Code Red DVD. That's got to be awful because you know because you're looking at a the whole last portion of the film is, you know, is VHS. Oh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And it's crazy that all that got cut out, you know. And, I, and apparently the the director, uh, William James Kennedy, he was really, I guess, from word of mouth, he was uh, pretty upset about that uh, DVD release. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if it's missing that much. But who knows? Like, it's... it's but he didn't. He, that, but he also didn't know, though. From what I've heard, is that he didn't know that footage was missing. Right. And when okay. they, I guess, when you know, vinegar syndrome got it, they were like, "Oh shit!" And then the director was like, "Yeah, there's actually more missing than that." Like, you know, because uh, there's at least a good like five minutes that they splice in. Oh, uh, but is. I, but I even think the DVD cut was even like lesser. Like, you know, so... That's lesser. crazy. Well, I mean, it's, I just said lesser. Lesser, you, you dork. It's fucking dipshit. But so, no, this is good, man. I, I want, I mean, you can tell that William Kennedy is just ecstatic that this is out, that that, that it's got this quality for release. Like, he's he does a little intro to it, and it's a very short intro, but you can tell that he's just super pumped. Well, it's the same, like, he, he has the... There's a uh, interview with him in that same setting, and yeah. he's he just tells a story about everything, and he, he's just a really fun guy, you know. He, he really loved what he did, and he you know he adores that this got the uh, you know uh, treatment that it did. Yeah. And uh, when I told you know Larry Marinelli what we were doing, I say we like you know I'm fucking vinegar syndrome or some shit. But what they were doing is, you know, restoring this film and putting it out. Like, he was, like, really thrilled. He's like, you know, that's really great. But it was, like, at the same time, he didn't understand the concept, which was, I guess this is the part, like, this is the B-roll of the conversation. <laughs> I don't even think I told Vinegar Syndrome this. It was really funny because he's like, he's like, can you just buy, like, a DVD of it and just give that to people? And it's like, wait, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, there is no DVD. Oh, there's got to be a DVD. I was like, there is, but it's, like, not even, like, it's not even a legit release. Like, the footage is missing. He's like, well, why would they do that? And it's like, well, because it's just what happened. He's like, well, look on the Internet, buy one off Amazon on VHS. And it's like, nope, that doesn't exist either. What do you mean it doesn't exist? I've seen the movie. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. dude, do you have the fucking one-inch master tape just, or not? Just let me know. <laughs> awesome. But no, he, he was a great guy, though. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. We need to move along to the other uh, other releases here. But this one is they still have it in stock um, over at VinegarCentrum.com. 
and it, it comes recommended from me. If you like this odd odd film, and you know, I, I've always I've made it a goal this year to keep to keep collecting like oddities like this, and kind of let the mainstream stuff kind of go by the wayside because that stuff's not going anywhere. But if you like these odd, you know, crazy films, like this is definitely worth uh, checking out. And there's enough on here that I think warrants a, a purchase. So, so, so check that out. This still is available. Um, Plus, my name's in it, so that's a plus. Brett Henderson's name is in it. Plus, really quickly, we'll just go through. Uh, we'll talk Jack Frost. Uh, I've already mentioned that I'm ecstatic that this thing's out on Blu-ray. Um, I got the lenticular lenticular cover, so I was super pumped about that. Because um, I didn't know if I'd be getting that or you know that cover or not. It makes it fun. Uh, this should not be on Blu-ray. There's no reason why Jack Frost uh, should be on Blu-ray. Never get it confused, of course, with the Michael Keaton movie from the year uh, after. This actually yeah, it was the year first. after, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Killer somehow gets mixed in with some sort of uh, liquid and dies and turns into snow. Wow. Super Spoiler. fun. Uh, great uh, shower scene with uh, uh, Shannon and Elizabeth. You do realize it's a rape scene, right? It is. <laughs> You're right. You're right. A lot of people don't realize that, I guess. So, but well, like, you always see the pictures, he, and then I'm thinking back going... He totally rapes yeah, her. Yeah. He, like, it's, uh, it's really... Like, it's just a... God, that's bizarre. It's a weird scene. It really is. I... Yeah, so you're right, John, dude. So wow. Sean just kind of is butchering Jack Frost here. So <laughs> I mean, what, what's there to say? What's there to say about Jack but, Frost? But I mean, the, I'm so the thing to say about is that we have this actor Scott McDonald <laughs> who plays uh, um, basically, you know, a serial killer, uh, and he, you know, crashes into this fucking, you know, hazard bullshit. These fucking liquid chemicals and everything. So he gets basically fried. He like starts to melt and he melts into the snow and then the snow turns into, you know, he, he turns and can turn into a snowman, but it's like some chemical, like weird formulation or something like that. So the best part about Scott McDonald is that he's channeling Jack Nicholson like through the whole fucking movie. <laughs> and that's what I love. He even talk, he even speaks like Jack Nicholson. Like in the movie, like when he's doing his lines and his like one liners, he's like, you know, when he's actually Jack Frost, like not the killer snowman, but when he's just like Jack Frost, he's channeling it. And then like his one, his one liners he does as, you know, the snowman is just hilarious. And uh, there's a great um, interview with him uh, on the disc about like, you know, the making of it and like how much freedom he had. And, uh, um, you know, kind of like the hiccups that happen on the film, like this is supposed to be like a huge budget, like some big Hollywood budget for it. And then all of a sudden, I guess all the financiers pulled out at like the last minute. So they had like film this movie for like 20 bucks. Um, and it's just like, you know, it just shows that they didn't give up. They made this little campy horror film. Um, I mean, I enjoy Jack Frost for sure. It, it, it brings me back to um, the child, my childhood days. And I, I remember, you know, even working at Blockbuster, uh, you know, this is like, you know, seven years after the film came out, this shit was still renting. Um, oh, and, yeah. 
were renting. And like, this is like one of the biggest rentals at that time. Like, I don't know what it was about a fucking killer snowman that people such love. A funny idea. And the right. cover was always pretty great. I mean, and you had that Michael Keaton movie that I guarantee you helped kind of people see this and go, holy shit, there's like a, <laughs> cause, cause I guarantee like the, the whole Michael Keaton one was a lot more popular the next year. And then, you know, that, that had to have helped spur people, at least maybe accidentally seeing it or, or kind of seeing them both either like on the shelf. They wouldn't be next to each other, I don't think, but, um, but, you know, I think that helped for sure. Like I've always, just because of the idea, I've always loved it, you know, and then I watched it and I loved the goofiness of it anyway. But, you know, seeing it on sure. the video shelf, I was always like, fuck yeah, Jack Frost, I'm going to watch that. I was looking at the back and I thought it was kind of funny that it says co-starring the beautiful Shannon Elizabeth in one of her most infamous and revealing roles. And like, really? I'm pretty sure, like, getting butt-ass naked in fucking American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> it's her most, like, I don't yeah, even I think, think you get any boobies little... in this movie. You, like, yeah, you barely. But yeah, she barely. Has, she, she has such a. She's a cute girl. Yeah. She's a cute girl. But uh, you know, it's just it's just a really batshit nutty movie, and you know, you can tell everybody's having fun. It's you know, so, like I said, it's super silly. Um. You know, it's fucking Michael Cooney. Like, he, he has, he, Michael Cooney is, if you're not familiar with the name, you're probably familiar with the movie Identity, which he, he wrote and stars, uh, John Hawks and, um, all those other motherfuckers at the hotel. Um, which is funny, uh, cause that movie, that was a weird theater experience because I saw that in theaters. I saw it like late at night. And there's a sequence in the film where, uh, uh, John Cusack, that's the other, I couldn't think, John Cusack, Amanda Pete, um, they're all standing around telling each other where they're from. Well, hint, hint, not really a hint, fun little fact though. Uh, all the places that they mention are the places that I live near. Oh man. And then when John Hawks goes up, they're like, where are you from? He goes, Polk County. Uh, motherfuckers, I live in Polk County. So John Hawks and I are fucking neighbors. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, that was like his big, his like big, you know, big break. And then he's done some like TV shows and stuff afterwards and written a couple other movies. But he's just like, I like Michael Cooney's style because he's just really off the wall. And he's really off the wall with Jack Frost yeah, and even the sequel. Fun. You know, even the sequel to Jack Frost, like, it's still batshit insane, you know? So. Very nice. Well, that's that's out. Uh, I need to check and see if they have any in stock still. It's probably not going to come with the lenticular cover. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Lenticular. It's just, it says in stock with a limited edition lenticular cover. Oh, they printed 3,000. They'll be around for a while. So, uh, oh, okay, yeah. So if you're a fan of Jack Frost, grab the sucker up. It's uh, it's a ton of fun. It's, I think it's it's been streaming for a while, but seeing this like in HD widescreen was just like because I'd only seen it on either VHS quality or just the crappy DVD quality that's on like Amazon Prime or whatever or Netflix or wherever the heck it was streaming when I when I watched it again. 
But um, yeah, seeing it in HD was uh, was it was a treat, as they say. Let's move on. This is one that I'm very uh, curious on, and one that I did not get to get my hands on because it sold out pretty quick. Um, there is a DVD out by another company, but the movie's called All the Sins of Sodom, and this was a limited edition. Um, uh, 1968 film directed by Joseph W. Sarno. Uh, Black Dude, we just call him Joe Sarno. Joe Sarno. All right. Um, now, this one is it's just the film, and there's no special features, but it's sold out super quick. So they did a run of 1,000 units. Um, they only had it available through their web store. What's uh why why is this thing such a kind of notorious uh, uh film? Um, well, Joe, Joe Sar- Sarno. Yeah, I mean, I I know there are some Joe Joe Sarno fans. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Joe Sarno fan myself. Um, Joe Sarno is a very unique director because he was able to blend like mainstream drama. And sexploitation into his films. He would have like a normal story, but tell it in such a sexy way with actors that you wouldn't expect to play the roles, um, based like on how they look because he would pick ordinary looking people. Um, but he also picked a lot of, you know, beautiful people too. He just had a mixture of, um, of the cast and just, like the way he would just tell stories, uh, even like in the sixties, like he was way before his time. Um, even all the sins of Sodom, uh, even like his second film, which I covered as uh, sin, uh, you know, all you sinners, like those films, uh, and, uh, vampire ecstasy was another film that he did, which is, you know, more on the horror erotic side, but he was always into erotic cinema, but he was able to, or in his early years, he was able to get more mainstream um, play out of it, like at theaters, um, just because he's kind of being sneaky about it. Like he made like gritty and grimy, trashy, erotic cinema films, but he was able to do so in such a way that uh, almost like kind of tricking the public in a way, I guess you could say. Um but able to get his movies out there more than kind of those other people that were making like, you know, titty flicks, um, you know, or like stag films is what they would say, like, you know, in the sixties and seventies. Um, he had a little bit more than that. And he was kind of making stag films, but just not as much nudity or penetration, but he was able to kind of put that out there and, and, but he did it in such a way where again, he was a good filmmaker. He was, you know, he set up his cameras correctly. He got those shots that he wanted to. He was able to get that music. He was able to, you know, even his erotic cinemas, vampire, you know, vampire ecstasy is very eerie at times. And it's also super sexy. Uh, All the Sins of Sodom is uh, more or less kind of like a, a dive into uh, relationships. Um, you know, it's about a photographer that gets involved with another uh, one of his models and the model kind of like kind of puts a, uh, you know, kind of this weird vice like between and on people and just kind of like spirals out of control, but it's told in this very erotic, uh, fashion. 
So he's a unique director. He's a lot of fun because there's no one really like him. Um, and I think the next wave of directors that we got that was trying to make, you know, they just made sleazy cinema, uh, and really trashy stuff. They, they kind of, the erotic stuff went to pornography and then the sleazy sides just stayed with the sleazy side. He was able to kind of blend both, but not really have kind of the hardcore aspect to it. Which I think he did make a couple hardcore movies later on in life. Cause then he became like he, he didn't like in the sixties and early seventies, he was making films like, you know, that didn't have penetration or anything like that. Not, I shouldn't say penetration, but just kind of like held back like on the nudity and just made his movies really like skeezy. So, uh, he's a very interesting director. You go through his catalog and you'll see a lot of great, great flicks. Um, and if you're into that type of thing, which I am, like, you know, I, I like that trashy side of cinema. Well, very cool. Yeah, this thing went, uh, this thing went, went pretty damn quick. So. Nice. Uh, I'm sure maybe people keep demanding. Do you think they would, would do a, re- a reprint of this? I mean, they redid Sex World, Sex World, but then. That's because it was a soundtrack. I don't know if they're going to do this. No, huh? Like, the, like, you know. I'm hoping to see this. Do you think uh, did, they, did they put this on exploitation TV? Um, I don't know. I haven't checked. Something at least would I'll have to check and see if it's on there. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. I mean, there's always the DVD that's still printed, but uh, it'd be nice. Yeah, the thing is with uh, the DVD is like I've owned a lot of Joe Sarno films yeah. uh, on DVD through my years, I'm, I'm and sure it doesn't look that great. Dude, they're fucking torn up. Like, Sin All You Sinners was fucking terrible. And even though, like, they were actually able to get a print of the, the only known print of the film, uh, film movement got, and they, uh, ran it through and, uh, made it, you know, made a decent copy of it. Film's still torn to shit, but at least it's, you know, HD and looks clear now, um, rather than, cause a lot of his films, cause they were cheaper. So, uh, they have like this cloudy look to them. So it's nice when they're revamped and put out by, you know, Vinegar Syndrome and other companies that, uh, there, there's a sense of clarity to it and looks a lot better. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are the three limited edition ones that came out over Black Friday. Let's jump into their December package and start things off. Um, so basically it's one kind of exploitation flick. Uh, Kung Fu action flick, and then we got a documentary, uh, a few documentaries, a DVD set, and then, uh, Taboo 2, Taboo 3, and then, uh, another Picorama. So, um, let's start off with Death Machines. Yeah. This is not a sci-fi film. Why would you say it was a sci-fi film? Well, looking at the, the cover and the poster. Oh, you've never seen it. Okay. I've never seen it. So I was expecting, like, maybe this is a post-apocalyptic, you know, crazy post-apocalyptic type flick. I mean, I didn't even read the synopsis. Like, I I, I saw the po- the cover and I was like, I'm in. I'm not going to read anything about it. I'm going to go in 100% fresh. And um, ba- basically, it's a bunch of scenes strung together uh, with these three killer assassins that are hinted at maybe special at the beginning. And, uh, you know, something's going on and why they're so good, possibly. But it's just, it's almost, it's like, there's no real plot. It's just these guys go in, uh, this 
uh, Asian woman with gigantic beehive type hair, uh, and kind of has like a face like she's kind of holding in a fart the whole time. Um, she's always drinking something, drinking wine all the time, and she'll tell them who to hit. Like, I guess they're trying to get everyone that's under this one guy, right? So you basically see these guys go out and, uh, kill everyone, and, uh, there's some investigation stuff that goes through, uh, and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty damn awesome. You, there's a, there's a scene, my favorite scene in the whole flick is in the police station. When they think they have a guy, they have him for interrogation, and he escapes. And then it's just utter mayhem for a good five minutes in the police station. And these are like the worst police known to man. Like nobody can catch the guy. And this one guy keeps killing every other policeman in the office. It's No, there's a lot of chaotic. Dude, the fucking my favorite scene is um, the rampage that they go on at the Kung Fu like dojo. Yes. And they oh just start killing all like the um you know, the people in training yes. and shit. Yeah. Like it's just it's just a lot of fun. And, I mean the movie is a lot of fun. It's just, you know, a, a, a three guys that end up killing a bunch of people. Yeah, that's pretty you much know? it, man. It's yeah. And it's great. And it's great that way. Because because you have like the other kind of main character, which is one of the guys that survived the big dojo or the big kung fu uh Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. And he's just like this mopey little douchebag. The whole movie. He looks like Steve Zahn, dude. Like, that's who that is. It's Steve, like Steve Zahn. Zahn. It's not Steve Zahn. Yeah. yeah, it looks like Steve Zahn. But he's just this mopey little uh, little crybaby. And uh, there's some stuff where I guess he he has girl issues. I don't know. I didn't care about all that stuff. Whenever Mayhem, no, no, whenever Mayhem yeah. was happening, and I there's, was on board. It's a comedic undertone to it. Like, the guy that has to do, like, the... Um, the, the detectives that have to do, like, that fucking, like, training of, like... Like, uh, people training. And, like, he's like, do the people training. He's like, fuck the people training. You know those three maniacs that tore up that dojo? Well, we got them. And it's like, we'll worry about that later. And, like, that, that joke is, like, running the entire movie. Like, did you do your training yet? And it's like, no, I didn't do my fucking training yet. Like, it's like, dude, like, is this supposed to be, like, an inside joke with the directors? Because this shit's just, like, this joke's just failing over and over. But then it, like, they do it so much that it gets funny. Um, but, uh, the beginning scenes were shot later, I guess, by the producers and edited in. (laughs) When they fight, like the people that are like, the the beginning, not even close to the, the same like caliber of them. So you have like two black guys fighting. You have two, uh, the one guy that they're fighting, he's like super overweight, like not super overweight, but he's just like, he does not belong on those little Dainty rocks no, fighting you, this you other pretty guy. Pretty know who's gonna win with those guys. Yeah, the two white dudes fighting, and the two I believe they're Japanese uh, guys fighting. And the white guys like, what, like they're both hand to hand fighting. And one guy pulls out a knife, and then another guy pulls out a gun and just shoots him. I'm like, that's like, there's no, like, there's no sport on there, like at all there. Like the, the dude that pulled out the gun basically cheated. But yeah, that, that, or in scene, and then they have the shadowy guy explaining, like, you know, what they did and why they, these are the best of the best. And that was all added in to kind of, I guess, give it a somewhat of a sci fi feel so they can at least market it that way, I guess. Yeah. Who, uh, so it's Crown International Pictures, and like we, we, we what, uh, James and Brandon mentioned. Another, another they, code red title. Yeah, they signed a deal, a package deal with Crown International. So now it's like, 
let's let the speculation begin. Basically, let's look at anything Code Red's released by uh, by Crown, right? And then kind of yeah. go from there. But they have a pretty fun lineup. I mean, they're like the uh, they're like the tier below Canon films. And what I read was like most of the Crown films they feel stretched out because there's a lot of padding, and that's kind of how I felt with this. Like there was definitely some padding in it, but it's all like entertaining padding. And like, there's like the the one white guy assassin sitting eating a sandwich, you know, in the in the bar, right? Like that scene goes on forever, but it's so entertaining, and it and it uh it uh it, if you just give it a chance, you know. Everything kind of comes together with a super entertaining scene. Uh, we know they're all kind of picking and trying to get a rise on. Hey, look at this guy. Hey, look at this. It's like this one biker guy he just says like, hey, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Like over and over again. <laughs> trying to get a rise out of him. It's fun, man. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I think people will dig it. Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely a lot of fun. Um, I know we're just kind of like rambling here about it, but I, I was like, I was going to try to take notes. And after a while, I was like, I ain't, I was like, fuck these notes. There's nothing really to write about this film, but just, it's a uh, super fun. Yeah. But it, I mean, but it pulls no punches, man. It's like super violent. Like there's so many death scenes. Oh, there's, they're death machines. Yeah. What do you expect? Well, the director, um, uh, Paul Curiazzi, Said that um, the year he was there when they were writing the script, the movie The Yakuza came out, and yeah. um, he said that he knew that he couldn't make a movie like The Yakuza because it was such a. I mean, by the way, that's coming out on Blu-ray soon this year. Um, so what he did was he just added in more violence and was like, "Well, we're not going to be as good as The Yakuza, but." There's a lot more it's violence. very violent, yeah. So him and uh, him and Joe Walters, someone else wrote the script, but pretty fun stuff. Like it's a good little interview with him on the disc, and you know you can tell this was just a movie that he, there's a lot of they had a lot of fun making it. Like I feel like movies like nowadays, you know, low budget movies, you know, a lot of them they're just kind of you know, script script factories. They're kind of these little B-movie factories like Lionsgate is pumping out just generic action flicks left and right. But I feel like back then, like back here, like what was this, eighty early 80s? Like they at least like knew they were lower budget, but they just but they just kind of like threw everything they, they could, you know, to make it entertaining. I don't feel like movies really do that anymore. I could be wrong. But, but the sense I get from this was like they knew the hand they were dealt with this movie, and they're just like, just let's just make this as fun and bizarre as possible. Yeah, and they and they do. Dig it. So, uh, what's next? All right. Let's uh, let's talk about these um, documentaries. documentaries. It is uh, weed innocent abroad. And sexual encounter group. Ooh. Have, did you sit down to? Uh, yes, I've watched them all. Watched them all. Mm, tell me about them. How are you doing? <laughs> I like it. Uh, I like it when that that they release kind of oddball documentaries like this. It's, uh, it's fantastic. 
What, what are these, Brad? Can you lump these all together? Like, what, what, um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, before Alex Dorenzi started like directing um, pornography and uh, kind of during his. I mean, he's always been around sex his entire life. You know, having the the, the strip club. Um, you know, uh, he's actually the reason why Desiree Cousteau uh, is around. He founded her. Um, you know, he worked with Annette Haven, who, you know, is one of the, you know, biggest porn, one of the biggest porn stars out there at the time. Um, you know, he's, he pretty, did, you know, he, he, he wrote, uh, actually, you think he directed Pretty Peaches? Um, you know, he's just really big in an adult industry. And before he, uh, did all that, he started like, I think he was in like in the, like the Navy. Or something, and then he got out and he started making. Um, it's kind of when he saw some of these things happening. Um, so first off, we have uh, Innocence Abroad, who he basically goes around because when he was uh, in, uh, I think it was the Navy, he was in. But he when he was like floating around like a military guy, he got to see like a lot of weird sexual things, like you know. Um, uh, you know, uh, kind of those red light district, uh, areas, but in, you know, the, uh, you know, foreign land, even in like the U.S., but it, in a sense abroad is mostly kind of in, uh, Europe. So like they had these like live sex shows, um, you know, which they had like on 42nd Street in New York, which was kind of common at the time. Um, but kind of like an in-depth invasive, like interviewing people that are actually going to these, uh, live sex shows to view them, to, to, to interviewing the people that are in the act. Um, and also kind of the prostitution, uh, uh, ring in there and just kind of like, you know, and almost like a investigative journalist, uh, going in and kind of documenting, um, this kind of odd world. That is in this seedy area of, of Europe, and it was kind of everywhere. But I mean, mainly his main focus is in Europe um, because that's where he, I guess, he saw most of it. And you know, obviously, they're a lot more free over in Europe, and that wasn't really uh, frowned upon like it was in the in the U.S. Um, so it's, it's a it's a lot of fun they, they, if you're not into like kind of the porn world. It might be a little bit harder to watch, but it's it's in a documentary sense, and it's very interesting uh, to see kind of what goes on even back then, and if in a world that you didn't really know about. Um, and then back into like kind of the sexy stuff, he has uh, Sexual Encounter Group, which um, kind of just looks at um, kind of invasive, uh, another invasive doc to where... He kind of goes into people just having sex, like orgies, and kind of like these meeting places of people grouping up and having these big group sex sessions. So just kind of interviewing people and asking them why they do it, um, what's the thrill, are they scared of anything, just kind of like that. It, which is a very interesting thing to see why people do it, because some people get off on it. Uh, you know, some people are kind of, you know, just, you know, they're businessmen and or they're single, uh, single moms that just go out there and just bang a bunch of dudes and a bunch of people just because it's n- different from their normal life. So it's uh, kind of cool uh, to see, like, you know, why people do what they do um, in the kind of a sexual way. Because 
I mean, people gamble because they have an addiction. Some people do drugs because they have an addiction. But these people are, like, addicted to sex, which is kind of comical. Um, and the, probably the most interesting one um, is uh, weed, which is uh, basically him going out um, kind of all around the world, um, uh, speaking to uh, users um, to people that, um, you know, like these cocaine guys are fucking driving planes across the country to fucking deliver coke to these, you know, ordinary street dealers to the kind of these big dealers that, you know, these fucking Colombian cartels. And, um, you just, it's really, it's just really, uh, kind of weird because he also like, you know, just interviews. I think there's a few interviews in there. Um, of like these FBI agents and fucking people that are trying to stop this shit. So he's like interviewing like <laughs> these like criminals and then he's like turning around and interviewing like these like, you know, these people are trying to stop him and Alex Derenji can simply say, yeah, it's this guy over here. I just interviewed him. Um, but, um, it's just, you know, an in-depth look and, um, just kind of really disturbing as well, like some really disturbing sequences where, you know, it's like, holy shit, you know, like, holy fuck, these guys, like, you don't want to fuck with the fucking Colombian cartel. You don't want to fuck with these, you know, gangsters and drug dealers. Like, this is some heavy shit. And it's a really heavy documentary, like, as far as, like, kind of just seeing, um, you know, because at that time, uh, when this was made, I mean, there is this big, like, um, like, war on drugs, I guess you could say, movement. So there's like a lot of things. And just Alex Dorenzi is like in the middle of it, like kind of unbiased, like, all right, here's a bunch of people that do coke. What do you, why do you guys do coke? Like that type of thing. So, um, a lot of like, it's just really bizarre, but it is a very, very well done documentary and just fucking ballsy, man. Like, it took some balls to make a documentary like that and, you know, kind of just show the really seedy side and the people that are trying to stop it. So, um, very interesting, uh, documentaries. And like I said, uh, Alex Dorenzi is, you know, kind of the pioneer of like pornography. And, you know, you get to see like a, he wasn't just all about, cause a lot of these directors, you know, they get into, you know, porn because he's like, yeah, I'll direct the porno. No big deal. But Alex Dorenzi was like wanting to be like a, you know, a really good filmmaker. And he made some great, you know, even pornographic films like cinematography wise. He's just a decent filmmaker and get to see kind of uh, this thing before he dove into like, you know, opening up a strip club and all that kind of stuff before he dove into all that. So uh, I suggest pick it up, especially if you like bizarre documentaries. Very cool. All right. We are going to jump into, uh, the back room here's a little bit to discuss uh, a couple of the sexy time releases all right brad since bj is not here on uh, this episode you are the uh episode uh horror expert mm-hmm. so first off we had the blu-ray of taboo 2 and taboo 3 so I guess continuing on the storyline from uh, the original Taboo, right? Actually, yeah, it's a direct continuation, to be honest with you. 
It's uh, you don't really see it too much in pornography, but um, yeah, taboo is one of the most, mo- one of the most you know, uh, mo- like popular uh, pornos of all time. I mean, we have stuff like you know, Pretty Peaches that's eh, pretty you know well known, and then we have films like Deep Throat that's like iconic. Um, taboo was one of those movies that was iconic, like. Um, even when you were like, it was almost one of those things that was like sold everywhere. Like everybody knew about taboo because it was so different because I mean, we have, you know, uh, um, shit, what's her name? Kay Parker, who plays this, uh, character, um, shit. I'm like drawing a blank on everything. She plays the character. Fucking, it starts with the B. I can't even think of it. Are we talking about Taboo or Taboo... Uh, Barbara. But Barbara. No, no, no. No, it's all a continuation. Kate Parker's okay, okay, in it. Okay. And, okay. And so, yeah, she's in got- 1, 2, and 3. So, like, yeah, she plays this character, Barbara. Um, so in Taboo 2, it's uh, basically she hooks up... Like, basically in Taboo, she's fucking her son. Um, <laughs> I know, right? So in Taboo 2... Um, Holy shit, Kevin James is in this. What? There's an actor by the name of Kevin James, but it's not Kevin James. Ron Jeremy's in it. <laughs> Junior McBride played by Kevin James. Wow. But not the comedy star. Good. That's because he's probably a kid. Um, so anyways, it, it's a continuation of Kay Parker's character who is uh, basically banging this dude. And, um, you know, she starts to think back about how her great her son was in the sack. So, um, this, this guy, yeah, dude, these movies are like really bizarre. Like talk about fucking taboo. Um, so like, then he's like, oh man, that's incest sounds fucking great. Like I have a sister. I'm going to bang her. Like I want to fuck my sister. And then he ends up fucking his sister and ends up fucking his mother. And then the sister's like, yeah, this is great. Hey, Dad, let me suck your dick. And then it just turns out to be this huge, like, incestual, weird thing that uh, Kate Parker, or Barbara Scott, played by the, you know, legendary Kate Parker, tells. So it's really weird. <laughs> like, you know, like, I think... Understatement. Like, we, uh, like, we actually had this conversation with BJ not yeah. too long ago on the show... About kind of how, you know, but like now we have the stepmom, stepdad thing. But back then they were allowed to say daddy and, and, and mom. Like you were allowed to have that incest uh, thing. And the, these films did that. And, you know, it was very, very popular. And I think it was, you know, but not popular because people are like, oh, this is super hot. But it was like, what the fuck? Like we're watching, you know, obviously it's not family. But when you're presented with that, if you watch a movie and it's like, hey, these two characters, like, fucking Ryan Gosling and fucking, you know, Heather Graham, our brother and sister in this movie. And then they start like kissing. Then it's like, Oh, that's weird. Well, they're obviously not, but it's the same thing. It's like, now we're getting to see like somebody shove their dick in their sister. It's fucking bizarre. Right. So taboo for nothing. Yeah. I guess, uh, I I guess that new uh, TV series isn't going to go down this path. Ooh, don't think so. Don't think so. Um, so basically, that's the 
plot of Taboo, and it's just a bunch of sex. So Taboo 3 follows Barbara again. And, um. To get you, Barbara. Mmm. So. Uh, this plot was a little confusing because it was one of those things where <laughs> I was watching it. Even you say that there's like a plot. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like funny because I was like watching it. I'm just, I, I wasn't, I, because I, I was into Taboo and Taboo 2, I was like, oh, this is super weird. This is kind of funny. And then Taboo 3 started. So uh, I'm trying to recall um, the plot. So basically what happens, it follows Kay Parker again as Barbara and then Barbara's like having like this depression and is really sad, basically, that she fucked her kid. And then she meets this other lady who wants to fuck her kid. This sounds super weird. I should say son. <laughs> all right. Because saying kid makes it sound even worse. Uh, so uh, basically her her friend that she meets wants to sleep with her own son and she like wants to do it and is like loves it. So then Barbara like gets over the fact that she slept with her son. So then she wants to fuck her other son. So who needs a drink? But then she like once like is kind of having doubts about it and then basically goes to her friend and realizes that her friend's fucking her son and then her other son and her own son, and it just turns out to be these dudes are, like, banging their moms, and they're, like, having the best days of their lives. And that's the plot of Taboo 3. Wow. So it's funny because I really want to know about this director's life because this dude made, like, fucking 7,000 Taboo movies. So we have Taboo 4 coming out soon that has Ginger Lynn in it. And then we have like Taboo – I don't know if Vinegar Syndrome is releasing him, but then we have like Taboo 5 and 6. So this guy really likes telling stories about like fucking your parents, dude. Like is that like that Oedipus-like syndrome or what the fuck is happening? It's Oedipus, right? I'm I'm assuming – I don't know, but I'm assuming he was in need of some major therapy and he decided to just – shoot porno movies is dead and he shot his load you're gonna is it, i wonder if it's a dude like because the name is curdy stevens. stevens it's gotta be a dude right it's gotta be there's no way that's a female all right moving along move females on. do really classy porn dude yeah yeah i know this so if you're a fan of uh the taboo series uh this is on blu-ray and i'm sure scanned from original uh 35 millimeter elements yeah uh and then next we have another picorama we have mm. silk I like satin the... and sex and then Which turn you'll... on with kelly nichols yes uh, boners <laughs> did you watch these um yeah I, I well i think yeah yeah i watched both of these dude there's a lot of porn and there's like a little time um so basically um what i really like about the picorama series is that if people don't know, it's actually uh, basically two directors, or I'm sorry, two movies by the same director. That's usually what these are. And they, this is uh, Lawrence Talbot, and it's not The Wolfman. 
only a few people will get that joke. Um, so anyways, it's, uh, actually Silk, Satin, and Sex is the first one I watched and the most memorable because it has a huge fucking cast. Like, as far as, like, actresses go, like, this is one of those ensemble casts. So, like, it has, um, I just, like, drew a blank. Um, Ma, uh, Ma Ling, it has, it has that, uh, uh, Vanessa lady, and it's got, um, let me look at the back. It has, I didn't know her name, Tiffany Clark. Is that it? Tiffany Clark? Um, I don't know if that's the one I'm thinking about. There's another lady in this that's very recognizable if you watch a lot of 80s porn. So basically, it's uh, kind of the sexy party where they invite a bunch of people over and get busy. I mean, there's not a lot to say about these. Like, they're hard to cover. Like this, that, That's why I got <laughs> drunk and I did a review, because it's like, wait, like James is like, just cover it. And it's like, well, how do you cover a porno? Like, they fucked. Boom. It looked like a nice load. <laughs> like she she took that just just right. Like I mean, what do you say? So like it, it, it's tough. It's just like, is it erotic enough? I don't know. Jungle Blue. There's a gorilla fucking a girl. Like I don't know how sexy that could be. Um, so then I'm glad this is the back room section because I can say whatever the fuck I want. Um, and then the second one was uh, Turn On with Kelly Nichols. I don't remember this one. Uh, so much, um, other than there is, uh, a lot of, like, I think this is like a photographer and just a lot of, like, like set up sex, like where somebody's like laying on like a satin sheet and someone's taking pictures of them and then they end up like sucking their dick and then sex happens. Like, silk satin and sex and turn on with Kelly Nichols, like they're not... They're not like the, like, let's get physical, like, Picorama that we cover, like, where there's, like, sex comedies where they're, like, funny. Like, neither of these are funny. Um, they just have some really, you know, beautiful people in it that are just fucking. And, like I said, if you're into, like, Taboo and shit like that, like, I mean, Taboo 2 and 3 kind of go hand in hand with Taboo. It's the same fucking thing. So, but it's like, like, for me, watching Taboo, like, there's no... I don't feel anything. I'm just like, this is weird. You know, like, because I, I, even with like porno today, because I, you know, I watch porn, obviously. Um, what? I just don't get the stepmom and stepdad. Because, like, that's super gross. Like, I'm not, like, there's certain things. Like, I will watch. A girl fucking a horse. I don't really care. I'm not, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. I might glance at it and then turn it off. But like, I'm, I'm a stepdad. So like, that's super, like, I don't, like, that doesn't, like, I can't comprehend that. Like, the same thing as like people have like that daddy fetish. And it's like, no, because if you're a dad, you're fucking your kid. Like, that's immediately what I think about. Like, you know, it's like, here, call me daddy. Like, no. Because that's kind of weird. Like, can't you just call me, like, you know, call him a slut 
or call, call them, you know, a whore. Like, that's kind of more my speed. It's just like when you get into the son and daughter and mom and dad aspect, like, I just can't get it. Like, I understand why it was popular, but I just can't. I don't understand it, you know, and I will watch porno every single day. I don't give a fuck. So these were uh, Alex DiRenzi uh, flicks. So you had his documentaries, and then you had an example of his... Uh... Wait, Alex DiRenzi didn't direct Taboo. No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm talking about the, uh, the Picaramas. No, Lawrence Talbot directed uh, the Picaramas. Alex Serenzi was a more a prolific like film director. I am on, on VinegarCenter.com. Turn on with Kelly Nichols, directed by Alex Serenzi, unless it's a typo. No, it's Lawrence Talbot, unless Lawrence Talbot is fucking Alex Serenzi. No, it looks like they have a typo on the website. But like, hey, uh, hey, James, you guys have a typo on your website under the uh, silk satin sex turn on. Yeah, I mean, as far as... Lawrence Talbot at the bottom instead of directed by Alex Durant. Wow, dude, you're just, like, fucking calling... Oh, you know, they, did, they, just, co- they just copied... Uh, they just copied and pasted... Uh, probably to get the formatting, and they left in the whole... The directed by Alex Dorenzi and then the running time from the documentaries. The yeah, because that would have been uh, number Look, one. Guys, I, can edit this stuff. I can edit this stuff for free. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? Just... just, just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work out a price. Just... Drop me a line. I'll, I'll I'll do some editorial work on your guys' uh, website. Well, here here's the cool thing about Alex Dorenzi is that he is actually a prolific filmmaker. Like he was a good filmmaker because obviously he's making a documentary, so photography is obviously up his alley. Right. Which you is- know the same thing with Bob Chin. Like Bob Chin, like even though he made like sexy time movies, he made films like he would think, oh, I'm going to make this war epic, so I'm going to make this look as good as possible, um, and then we're going to shoot the sex. And it's like, that's the shit that I like, you know? Yeah. Or Hill's, like, Hot and Sassy Pizza Girls, my all-time favorite porno film. It's like, hey, let's make this porno. Okay, let me write this sex comedy first, right? and then we'll add the sex in. That's what it feels like, and that's what I love about it. Yeah. Like, stuff like this, like, these movies... They're just filming sex for sex, you know, and it's just like they're okay, um, but there's there's something about kind of the different approach, I guess, of like wanting to actually make a film and then putting sex in it rather than making a sex movie right? and then just adding small little plot points in order to make it seem like it's a film. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Good times. Good times, everybody. Uh, so, Vinegar Symptoms January package is about to hit. Uh, so, we'll be talking about that one soon. Uh, we mentioned all the titles earlier when we talked to Brandon and James. So, check those out. Go to VinegarSyndrome.com. Check out all these flicks and uh, give them some love. Um, and, of course, you can find our uh, past episodes over at TheScreamCast.com. You can find, uh, I think, like the past. Uh, you can find a bunch of ours on iTunes and any your 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 podcast catcher of choice. But I'm not sure if you'll find all the back episodes um, on those. You can find them for sure over at thescreamcast.com, as well as our sponsors. Check them out on the sponsors page. Drop us a line at readme at thescreamcast.com, 
And uh, we still have pins for sale. Uh, check those out if you haven't grabbed one yet. We are running low on the oily, but we have uh, a good amount of the ballet, bloody ballet ones left. And um, I, uh, yeah, I, I want I want those gone. Buy them, please. Damn, Sean. <laughs> and uh, now, let's see. Um, and yeah, all our Twitter links and all that bullshit are on the website as well. Um, big shout out to those of you who have uh, donated to the site. You can do that as well. Um, next week for sure, Brad, if you can remind me, I want to give a shout out. I forgot to at the end of year, or we actually didn't get to do their end of year episode. I want to um, do a shout out to all those who have who are donating to us right now. So we'll do that next week. Uh, but meaning to give you guys um, all some actual thanks on the show. So uh, we'll do that next week. And uh, if you want to donate, go to the donate link and drop us a few bucks a month. Uh, it really does help with uh, with the show. So we really appreciate all that you guys do for us. Um, all that said, Brad, do you have anything, anything else to say? I love you. All right. Uh, you guys have a great week. Hi, you didn't say I love you too. What a dick. I love you too. Thank you. All of you have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, God, thank you. Bye. <laughs> oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.